Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear myself. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> we ain't even got to the good stuff yet. <laughs> Mr. Johnson, this is your first time here at the studio? Not at the studio building, okay. but first time in, in here. In here, okay. You know, me and Jay had always talked about getting you and my father here before he passed, and he had got so sick. You know, around the time that we talked about it, so it's good to at least get you in here and uh, you know get a chance to to talk to you, spend a little bit of time, which is gonna be fun, man. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, man, it's gonna be fun. A lot of, uh, believe it or not, man. You know, a lot of people have requested you on the pod. <laughs> you know, Jay has told some interesting stories. You know, some things we need to confirm since we got well. you here. Well, Jason doesn't lie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he he doesn't. We we've taught him. Are we recording well. this? Man? Yeah, I got it going. Okay. We've we've taught him well. He's he's a very um, uh, very proud results. Okay. That's good stuff. This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studio in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit shoptalkpodcaststudio.com. Over Westside, everybody know everybody, right? I got nothing but love in my heart for Westside niggas. Nothing but love. Pink suits with hats to match. Big crocodiles and Cadillacs. You looking for the fatty sacks. This is where it's at. Windows tinted. Seats for lyric line. Keep the hands on the burner. Cause niggas know that it's money on the mind. Yo, what up though? It's your man Jay Johnson, aka the Tim Foyle Hat Titan, aka the conspiracy realist, aka the technology snob, Steve Jobs Jr. Don't text me with your green bubbles. AKA, I only debate my equals. Everybody else I teach. Also known as Juice, because all the girls say, J.U. Ice, young Caesar, because you know you can't roam without me. Mr. If you don't like me, fight me. I got kicked out of Noah's Ark because they couldn't find another animal just like me. AKA, the West Side T'Challa, the new leader of Wakanda. Don't debate me, debate your mama. I am the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. What up? What up, though? I haven't figured out a way to incorporate what I what I what I like to be called at this point. So I'll just go with that this week. It's your honor, the honorable, okay. <laughs> honorable Judge Dane. All right, and I figure it out. I figure it out by next week. Okay. I'll figure it out. But, you know. but shout out to the homie Marcus for Marcus and Eric said I could pa- said no. I could seamlessly take over uh, once Judge Math has left the air, and I feel like. I'm ready. For sure. You know what I'm saying? But our special guest has not ever heard your intro. We can't deprive him of your regular intro. Man, this is, we got a really, I'm I'm very excited about tonight's (laughs) tonight's guest. But it is your man, Dame, three underscores, 313, the West Side Landlord, the Pride of PA, High Chief, uh, (laughs) Dame Don't Mess Around, the liquor store legend, the corner store conquistador, and your mama's favorite Dame, and the David Ruffin of the Shop Talk Podcast, because you know who they came to see. Not you, Otis. It's no better than these four letters. Thank God for Dame. And if you're speaking on Dame, you better say it nice. And if you don't put the boss in front, then you're not saying it right. Let's go. Yo, welcome back. Shop Talk Podcast, episode 310. 
on y'all. <laughs> 310 episodes in a row, 310 Fridays in a row. Yeah, Labor man. of Love, the longest thing I've ever done in my life besides live is this podcast. I probably haven't had fruitful relationships that's lasted this long. No. No, actually, I, uh, I think this one, like, relatively recently, outlasted my longest relationship. I mean, I had a marriage, and that's if I if I if I count like breaks. <laughs> I was uh, married, but we were separated almost as long as we was legally married. Yeah. So uh, that's how it be. Uh, how, how was your week, my brother? Uh, I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to think. Something happened this week, but I cannot quite put my finger on it. I can't think of what happened exciting in my life this week. So mm. that's probably a good thing that it was that it wasn't too much excitement. Yeah. I mean you you still gainfully employed. That that situation is over. It's, it's, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Cause, you know, I'm not I'm not well I'm not well liked around my job. <laughs> and I've I've you know, when you brand new somewhere, you don't know who are like your allies That's or who fact. are your enemies. I'm not even two months in. Or like who who you should who you can be yourself with or who you should like reel it on in. Yeah. And you know, I had a little I had a little incident today where I probably was thugging with the wrong person, but I just gave my opinion on something that I felt was wrong. I caught one of my employees like really doing something wild. Okay. Like should be a fireable offense. And that's <laughs> and that's right where I jumped out the window. They was like, no, nah, we not we already set precedents on this, so we can't fire them. But I'm like, yeah, we set precedent, but like not like this. Yeah, we were set a new precedent. <laughs> yeah, like okay. but she was like, nah, you you taking it too far. So I was like, well, I mean, I ain't I don't I don't run the show. So I mean if if what I'm suggesting is too much. Yeah. And I got to go with whatever y'all say. But, like, she don't know. She probably going to get fired in two weeks, though. Like, they just extending. They putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. But Yeah, I'll be seeing stuff at the gig that should, um, to get people. I mean, like, I, I just don't necessarily understand. And since I'm the quote-unquote new guy, and if you're doing this in front of the boss bars, I'm like, I mean, what? who am I? How am I supposed to say something? How am I supposed to create the new culture? And they literally in front of your face doing, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. hey, all right, well. But I got an interview for the position coming up in like two weeks. That's what's up. So I'm throwing some prayers up up yeah. and out there because I need gainful. I mean, I, I done been there for like six, seven months. So I'm hoping that like the interview is just a formality, but you never know. So I Oh, there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've been on, about the other one. No, I've been on contract. About. No, that place denied me, but I kind of right. know why. Okay. I kind of know why, but I've been on contract at this job for like six months. So it's time to, you know, my contract run out in June. So like something got to yeah, happen. You, got, you need a string of, of, of good things to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I need this interview to go really well, but I, you know what, man, I've been worrying about this and stressing about like some other stuff, but like I went to church on, I've been going to church and I attend church pretty regularly. Yeah. And the pastor was talking about this Sunday about, you know, we're so impatient on things because we live off of, you know, human time, clocks, calendars, Facts. things of that nature. And he's like, God, don't wear no watch. So while his timing is omnipotent and perfect, your timing got like a deadline. That's a fact. And the two, the two don't, faith don't have a deadline. <laughs> they so really you, meet. Yeah, they don't meet. Yeah. They don't meet. So, you know, that was, that was like what I took from it. Like, yeah, there are. I can think of like three things off the top of my head that I wanted to happen yesterday. Man. All three of them. Four years ago. 
all three of them in my mind, I already needed for them to happen. But yesterday has passed 30 times and I'm still waiting and I'm still here. Yeah. You know, the, the things ha- in my mind, have they gone how I wanted them to go? No, nah, but may- but like clearly if things went the way that I wanted it to go all the time, you know, my life probably wouldn't be always in the best position best position because we want what we want not necessarily always what we need or what's best for us that's a fact so i just got to wait and be patient on this thing and if it's not for me then that means something else will come along something will be better and i'll be all right sometimes you gotta thank god that he didn't give you the things that you was asking for the things that you thought you wanted yeah (laughs) to quote the great uh philosopher uh most deaf (laughs) uh be careful what you wish for because you just might get in the heaps Try to give it back, and the Lord be like, "No, nah, that's yours for keeps." Yeah, like yo, I, you asked for it. Here you go. Or, or, or even I look at it like this sometimes. Like there was something I'll be honest, just transparent that I really prayed about last year, and it looked like it was starting to line up. Like, yeah, things were going the way that I thought that I wanted them to go, and I fell off on doing some things that I needed. I, I kind of like slacked on going back to church. You know, I started getting a little lazy because it was going my way. Uh, I'm I'm there, yeah. you know, and then like it all came tumbling down again, and I feel like, you know, that was just it could be that way, but there were still other steps that I needed to fulfill in order to make it fully that way. You said and, you wanted and I, it. I started to give it to you, and then. But you I didn't do tripping. my part. Yeah. I didn't do my. I didn't. Oh. I didn't do my part of it. So, so. pull it back. Yeah. Now yeah. I just got to do the work. But you know, whatever. I got faith that whatever it is for me is going to work out, and it's going to work out like when it needed to. And 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 what really made me look at situations like differently. I just look at like the last three or four years I've been in. You know, I didn't have stuff that could have killed me. Yeah. Like literally, should have should have took me out. I didn't work for almost a year. After my pops passed, because I, you know, my job ended, they they severance me on the same day that my dad passed, mm. you know, and I knew it was coming, but like everything just kind of lined up the way that it did. And I didn't work for like literally nine months. And then after nine months, I got a job right before COVID hit. And then like people were losing their jobs, but I had an opportunity to work from the house and didn't have any missteps in income. So like when I thought, you know, things we're, we're not going to work when it looked like everything was just going to crumble. Like that was actually probably like the best nine months. I was able to spend almost every day with my kids, dropping them off to school, picking yeah. them up, having that, having that one-on-one time with them that I had missed and that I would have already missed just working a nine to five. I, I drop them off when see them to like five, six o'clock at night when I got off. And then even working from the house when things came up, like, you know, when COVID hit, and they were at home. Their mothers didn't have to do anything differently. Like, I'm already at home. Like, you know, they can stay here and do what they need to. So everything lined up a lot better than I thought. Even when I got fired, when I got fired from Comcast a couple years ago, when they eliminated my position, let me go. It was like the week after Thanksgiving. And I'm thinking, man, Christmas coming up. But I'm, I'm, I'm banking on the checks that were upcoming for Christmas. But in, in all reality, I didn't work for a month. They did. They still paid me for the entire month. I didn't have to go to work. I didn't lose insurance. And then I came back to the job you know a month don't, later. You know, they don't fire people in December. <laughs> no, no, they get rid of you <laughs> end of November. 
uh, or January. Like, I don't know. Or at the time they did. Who knows what they do now? But you know, they would I, not fire people in December. I worked at a job, man, and this was like probably the worst thing I've ever seen a company do. We had unlimited overtime all year long. You could work. If you could fit in 80 hours in a week, cool. You could have it. And then, like, we had a meeting right before Thanksgiving. They was like, look, we didn't overhired and we didn't overpay people all year. So what we're going to ask them is for the next six months, and this is like a week before Thanksgiving, is that nobody work more than 30 hours from now for the next six months. And, like, you got people banking on, you know, I've been working unlimited overtime all year. They banking on it yeah, for Christmas. You can't and then we on the overtime, though. But, man, we, we cut their regular hours. Yeah, I like, get it. Yeah. Yes, I mean, we it was bad. Like, the morale around there was in the toilet. So was it anyway? Was it not a, a heavy work? Because like if we all work in unlimited overtime, was it no work to be done? No, there there was work to be done, but like we had we had forecasted incorrectly. Like we merged with another company, and now where we initially had a hundred fifty people in this department and enough more than enough work to go around, plus the overtime. Now we got five hundred people in the department. What I'm saying is, why was they offering unlimited overtime? I don't think y'all needed it. If y'all got cut. we probably didn't need it, we <laughs> you know probably did need it, but it put us in such a hole. They was like, nah. Now we're just gonna cut everybody hours back. Yeah, that's poor. That's Good poor. luck figuring it out. Poor leadership. So I'm glad that you know it wasn't that, but like, but just going back to what I said, everything will always works out. It may not work out like how I wanted it or how I envisioned it, but I know in the end it's going to work as long as I, you know, meet him halfway and do my part of the work. So, yeah, I seen my uncle had post something one time. He was like, uh, everything always works out in the end. If it hasn't worked out, this isn't the end. There you go. So it just you survived a hundred percent of your worst days. Yeah, man. So listen, man, This we got a special guest, our most special guest uh, in the studio. Uh, we've been talking about this guest, maybe episode one, two, who it's, knows? It's been years in the making. Yeah. You know, our, our initial plan was to have both of our fathers here. You know, unfortunately, my, my dad passed along two years, but... We definitely got the patriarch of your family that was, that came to to grace us. I don't know if he bought any intros or if he knew. <laughs> or, no, but if that. you just want to introduce yourself, we'll take. Yeah, it. you can do a regular introduction. I'm uh, Dwayne Ryle Johnson Senior. All right. And my father is yep. in the, in is in the studio. Oh, oh uh, no, no, wrong, wrong, wrong. wrong that kind of worked, but that wasn't <laughs> what I was trying. To <laughs> what whatever we'll do. All right, <laughs> all right. We're happy to have you here. You know, me and Jay have been friends for quite some time. I've heard a lot of the 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 stories that Jay has shared. You know, the the fatherly advice, the anecdotes, mm-hmm. uh, the ups, the downs. So, man, just to be able to come full circle, we're we're excited to have you. And we got, you know, people have definitely been asking about you because Jay has shared some real colorful gonna, stories. We're going to get into we gonna, the first. <laughs> and, I, and, I need to, and I need to get some confirmation <laughs> on a few things. But, you know, uh, this episode is dropping on my 40th birthday. Happy and, birthday, uh, man. Yeah, Happy birthday in it. advance. You're going to the fight tomorrow, right? Yeah, let's get this. So you, 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 you gave me a, a I, gift, man. I did give you a gift. I was out record digging this week and... I came across a gym, 
and I was like, Jay would appreciate this. So I found, I got a little record store. I, I give you the name of it because right. I don't want people in my spot. Got you. Because it's a, it's a little, it's, a, it's tucked away, but it got some hidden gems. Yeah. And they, they got a lot of Detroit MC, Detroit rap vinyl in this facility. But I was there digging and I found an old copy of the dog, the dog pound respect on vinyl from the new and untouchable death row and this yeah. you know it's got the old school death row cover you know, on it i've been collecting vinyls man uh partly because my father got me <laughs> into vinyls uh and i felt like we didn't do you know we didn't do dads and corrupt yeah yeah so uh so i wanted to bring my pops on because i mean to celebrate my 40th yeah uh, i mean that's a milestone in in, in general um and i thought it'd be cool man so y'all can kind of figure out why i am the way that i am <laughs> you know uh and it's you know a lot to do and hey man uh, hopefully you can pass you know i look forward just to the wisdom you know what i'm saying i know you you've lived a lot you've seen a lot of life you know jay has shared a lot with us uh, about you and uh you know just when you've lived and and living is more than just a day-to-day like i know you you survive too yeah. And you know that that comes with with a, a wealth of wisdom itself. So I just can't wait to to kind of dig into some of those things. I still can't find this episode. It was one of our first, I don't know, maybe five to ten episodes or whatever. But somebody randomly hit me up last week and was like, "Yo, God, this is gonna be funny." He said, "Yo, I just drove past the whooping house." <laughs> <laughs> Because I told a story about the whooping house. Oh, this must have, this was 2016. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can't find which episode it was, but it didn't stuck with people for a long time. And uh, can, can, the, the fear of the whooping house. Can, can you explain, first off, what the whooping house was? Where'd you come up with this idea? Um, if If I remember correctly... The Whooping House was an idea of how to get my two sons to stay in line. Okay. To be afraid of something uh, like a boogeyman. You know how parents tell you, don't go in that room, the boogeyman again. Yeah, yeah. You know, and... Don't get me wrong. Jason and Dwayne weren't bad kids. They were just energetic. Yeah, I get it. And they would get on their mama's nerves. And I just came up with this idea <laughs> of telling. Because Jason will tell you, I, I used to, and uh, I try not to do it too much now, but I used to tell some wild stories. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I would tell a story just to see if people would believe it. Now, Jason's one story. Now, you told us like I don't know. We'll get to it. <laughs> but like <laughs> he told us so many times. I'm like, I wonder if this really happened. Anywho, yeah, and and I, we were just driving by a, a abandoned house, abandoned factory, uh, and I just come up with this story. If you guys don't behave, I'm gonna send you to the whooping house. And they were little, and they, what's the whooping house? <laughs> and, oh, it's a terrible place. It's a place where bad kids go, and they just whoop you all day and all <laughs> night. And and they your parents just run off and leave you, and they're going to whoop you. And, they, and you'll, never, you'll never be able to, to uh, 
heal or, or, or be sleeping or anything. And uh, so it was kind of like sound like Wayne <laughs> County Jail. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, it 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 you know it traumatized them, but it stuck in their mind that kept them in line. It it kept them in line. I tell you what, I used to think though. I used to think the Whipple House was like. Look, I'm, I'm trying to f- figure out these pictures. I fig- I just pictured uh, like. Ron Simmons. That's who I thought. <laughs> uh, uh, the tag team Doom. Yeah, what Doom? That's where. That's what Butch I'm, Reed and Ron Simmons. Butch Reed and Ron Simmons. Though that's I pictured like these two guys <laughs> in all black with like with mask on, with like holding like metal rods and just like I just it was like the, the that the, never got tired, never got tired, just whooping. Just the scariest <laughs> Like the scariest thing in the world. And we was terrified to go to Whipple House. And then, like, um, at some point, we kind of started to, like, not believe in the Whipple House. Mm-hmm. And he put us in the car and drove us somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it made us get out. <laughs> like, when my brother got out, I wouldn't get out the car. Like, I'm, like, I'm not getting out the car. Like, at all. <laughs> And they'll be get they'll be here to get you soon. And like I'm fairly sure it was just Joy Road Nevergreen that we was at. Yeah, like at it that, it was just just <laughs> right around the corner. It I it think wasn't far. The grocery store had burnt down. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it was the grocery store that was. But see, when you're little, everything looks bigger to you. Oh yeah. And you think you're going a long way when you get in the car and you know, circle around the block three times. <laughs> mm-hmm. and they don't know where they at. Yeah. And, and I wasn't gonna let them out of my eyesight. Right, you know? I get it. I told them get out the car, go up to that door, and they're gonna snatch you in <laughs> and whoop you all night. Like so, my court, like so. When y'all go, would you, was you, was you and mama like laughing? Like, yo, they still believe it. <laughs> like, I can't believe it. Like, well, we, we, we were seeing how far it would go. Yeah. And it just, it just took off. It just, every little thing or too every. Too big to fail. The last you know, thing. Okay. They, uh, they would do something or break something. And you guys are going to the whooping house. <laughs> all the, all this noise y'all making, y'all going to the whooping house. And, and that'll get them right back together. Oh, yeah. It's, it's straightened them up. You know, as a father myself, I, I have to say, like, I, I remember, you know, me telling the kids certain things just to kind of, you know, I, so my, my oldest girl who, who swears she the toughest thing on the West Side, you know, I remember I used to tell her, you know, she was scared to sleep by herself and her thing, especially when me and my, my ex-wife separated, her thing was like, Daddy, I need to sleep with you to protect you. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, you know, Daddy doesn't need any protection. You can, you can sleep in there. She's like, but the boogeyman coming from my brothers, and I would t- and I would tell her. I said, well, they in there, so Help they gonna. The I said they gonna get him first. They gonna get your brothers first, so you are gonna have time to run out and come get Daddy. But I don't need you in here to protect me. And I remember, you know, when when you talk about like parents holding on to things and seeing how far they can push it. Mm-hmm. I never forget this Christmas. This is like when I was starting to teeter on like, you know, Santa Claus ain't ain't real. Oh, we can get into that. <laughs> but but my, my mother was a big proponent in Christmas. Like that was her holiday. Mm-hmm. She gonna decorate. We gonna have specific meals. There was like a punch that she would only make for like there were certain things she would only make for specific holidays. Yeah. So I knew around the, the holidays there was like these cookies that she only these like shortbread cookies that she only made during the holidays. And I never forget. I remember one year we had like a a guest bedroom for like when we had out of town when my grandparents would visit or just like any out of town company. 
And like back then we had a computer in the room, like back when computers were like yeah. huge and expensive. <laughs> so you yeah. didn't touch the computer without, you know, somebody authorizing it. So I remember going in the computer room to get some paper and I opened up, there was like a closet in there and I opened it up looking for something. And I saw the video game that I asked for. Like I saw it sitting in there in the closet. I saw the jersey that my sister asked for sitting there in the closet. I remember walking downstairs, game in hand, oh, in hand, because no. <laughs> because I know I asked Santa Claus for it, but it's already in the closet. I asked for a game in hand. My mother was in the kitchen cooking. I said, "Mom, this is the video game I asked Santa Claus for." Why is it already here? Is Santa Claus real? And did you buy it? She looked at me square in the face and was like, what video game? <laughs> <laughs> I said, the one I'm holding in my hand. And j- she, didn't, she didn't break. She didn't alter from like what she was doing. She acted like I was not literally holding <laughs> the Super Nintendo game in my hand. She I said, was good. The she- game I'm holding right here. Listen, she was man. like, what game? And she was like, you shouldn't touch things that aren't yours. Facts. And I just went upstairs and put it back. I was like, all right, if, 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 this, if this will be going with the Santa Claus thing, whatever. So look, man, you know, first and foremost, Christmas is my favorite holiday. Okay. Matter of fact, just like... Not necessarily just because it's Christmas, but we do the whole Christmas breakfast thing. Like, it's quite literally, like, my favorite day of the year. Like, it's what I look forward to most, right? Right. And But it was at some point where we kind of not believed in Santa. It was questions, you know, like, well, how you getting here? We ain't got no chimney. <laughs> well, he got a key. We're like, Dad, we don't even got keys. You're not, he's not giving nobody a key. We don't have visitors here. <laughs> like, he's not giving anybody a key. And, like, we had noticed, like, my dad has a very distinct handwriting, right? I copy his signature. I try to copy his signature. People at work like, Jason, you have a, your signature is great. I'm like, you should see my dad's signature because <laughs> this, this is like a, a worse version of the of that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, he was like, man, this y'all handwriting. The next year, he wrote in block letters. <laughs> I'm like, uh, then one year, me and my brother, we kind of like tried to stay up. I don't even know if you know, but like we stayed up and was underneath the table in the living room, <laughs> and we, we knew. <laughs> <laughs> and we we went downstairs and you putting batteries in the uh, you know in the uh, remote control cars and mm-hmm. red Lamborghini I had, you know what I'm saying? But like we never like saw it though. Like we heard some heard you come down the steps and go downstairs, but like we ain't never seen it. But it was just like, yo, something ain't right about but that's <laughs> but you know what, as a parent, that's like part of the excitement of it though. Like you got, you know, there's only a small one and I'm seeing it myself with like my older kids. I got, you know, three that's already teenagers. They they passed that point. Mm-hmm. But like my nine year old and my five year old, like they still believe. Like you can't you can't tell my daughter that like the Easter ba- bunny ain't gonna leave her Easter basket on Sunday. <laughs> like she still believes. She still wanna take a picture. Like she wants to go to the mall and take a picture with Santa every year and tell him herself what she like she won't tell me, but she will tell Santa herself what she wants. Like it's still and that's part of like the excitement as a parent because, you know, Christmas, I I'm not ex- as much as I would like to get stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I'd love to have a new TV or some car keys up under the tree, but I know that's not going to happen. I know I'm probably not even going to get gifts from the kids. You know, I got for, a TV. I, I mean, might I get TV. How old was he? How old was he? Well, they got all my... Uh, Last year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so look, man, you interested in like before we started, we 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 uh he was like I'm technologically and all the gadgets and stuff. But you know, I've been trying to think like I kinda you had all the gadgets. You had all the radio the so the 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 the, the speaker systems, the forty fives, the like mm-hmm. you matter of fact, you had some you had some wireless headphones, man. <laughs> The ones I used to uh, listen to when I was cutting the grass. Yeah, low key. You, and it was like a little tower to be in. Like, you had mm-hmm. some wireless headphones. Okay. Who knew that was even? I just remembered that. Like, that wasn't even supposed to be out in the 90s. And so like, it wasn't like the, the noise canceling ones that you used just for cutting grass. Like they No, were, they were in the house uh, wireless headphones. Okay. And they had a range. I got you. And I just kept listening to it and see how far I could go. And I could go out in the backyard, and I just go out and cut the grass and trim trim things, and just do it. Just keep my music with me all the time. Okay, okay. Now Jay mentioned that you were in the records, forty fives albums. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, my parents always had a huge record collection in the basement. Yeah. Like they, when they were collecting, like back in college mm-hmm. and things, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire, a lot of old funk records, stuff like that. Was that kind of your lane? No. No. <laughs> okay. I went back. Um, my brother got me listening to uh, music when when I was born. And before, okay, say nineteen nineteen fifty five, when rock and roll first started, okay, and I took it a step farther, going farther back, and going to different artists and comparing. Uh, I heard that somewhere that uh, a lot of the songs that were new or that were big. Uh, they weren't the first artists that made them, that uh, black people made these songs first. And I started to research it, and I started to go to different record stores and places and get some of these recordings. And uh, I would get, I mean, old 45s. I even have some 78s. And I would play some of them things, and they would they'd be so scratchy, you could barely make them out, but... Um, I would clean them, and um, I would remember I used to put a lot of uh, uh, vinyl on cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I got one of your old cassette tapes I found. Wow. Yeah. And I would do that, and uh, I would listen to music up until I don't know for for my generation. Well, for me. It got to a point where music wasn't fun anymore. Okay. I would, uh, I joke with a lot of people that I listened to Michael Jackson while he was still black. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, before he went through all the operations and everything. And, right. Um, me, me, Michael Jackson, and Prince are the same age within a couple of months. Okay. And uh, I remember going to Olympia. And seeing Michael Jackson, the Jackson Five, mm. and uh, Prince didn't catch on with me. I'm not first. a fan. <laughs> I've never it, been a fan of it, Prince either. He didn't catch on to me, and uh, I went up just to a certain spot in music and just stopped. And that's that's my block. 
Okay. And uh, now when we talk about music, you know, and people our age, our parents, you you said, you know, Al Green, Marvin Gaye, and all that. That's not what I grew up on. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's that, not. That, I would listen to that later. Okay. You know, later and not as intense. Some people, I mean, you say Al Green, they just fall all out. Right. And uh, my wife liked Al Green, but uh, a lot of uh, Beach Boys, Beach Boys, um, Chuck Berry, uh, even uh, some of Bill Haley, um, some music, I would just research it and see how fat back it would go and how off in left field it was. Um, some of it was good, but some of it, you listen to some of these records and you're like, who told these people they could sing? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, they're, 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 the, the, the notes are all off. off Sound key. like today's music. Sound like me. Yeah. 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 Who told you they could rap? Yeah, I mean, but uh, when songs were pleasant, happy, uh, then I went uh, into which my brother stayed into that uh, music up to Motown and, you know, black music. Okay. I had a time where I went into comedy music. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I, I I listened to, like, the, the, the Bill Cosby's, the Moms Mabley's, uh, any comedian, uh, even Red Fox and um, uh, LaWanda Page, some of their albums. And I started listening to uh, uh, what they called, um, they weren't co- like comedy albums, but they were like funny songs. Like Weird Al before Weird Al. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a couple. And some of them, uh, some of them were just, they they bridged into country music, Uh a lot of country music, uh, singing about horses and cowboys and things like that. But you listen to some of it, and it's just it's just funny. They just uh, uh, all right. Listen uh, to give you an idea. <laughs> okay, <laughs> where do I want to go? I don't know. <laughs> like I, I mean, where, I don't know, man. Because. Careful, you might get the show canceled. All right. (laughs) Well, when I was a kid, I'd take a trip every summer down to Mississippi, visit my granny and her antebellum world. I'd run barefooted all day long, climbing trees, free as a song. One day, I happened to catch myself a squirrel. Well, I stuck him down in an old shoebox and punched a couple holes in the top. When Sunday came, I snuck him into church. I sat way back in the very last pew, showing him to my good buddy Hugh. When that squirrel got loose, went totally berserk. What happened next is hard to tell Some thought it was heaven, others thought it was hell But the fact that something was among us was plain to see As the choir sang, I surrender all The squirrel ran up hard, Newman's coveralls And hard leaped to his feet, said, something's got a hold on me Yeah, the day the squirrel went berserk <laughs> the first Yeah, man Now, he can sing this song 
word by word, That's a fact. verse by verse. Okay. Him, oh. Dwayne, Lynetta, Yo, most of the people in our family. This the first stalker ever, dog. <laughs> Stalking didn't ex- This is the first stalker. This song is a mess. was a fella named Willard McBain. And he only had just one thought on his brain. Every evening about midnight, he'd slip off alone. And call the same lady on the pay telephone. Again, <laughs> <laughs> now I can tell this they remade he made he remade this mm-hmm. one, redid this one over because it sound the same, but it's not, you know, he, they put him in jail. He's first phone call a lot of jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, man. The music is uh I grew up on a lot of different music. You feel me? From from I think it just really kind of like shapes your love for music. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, I have such an affinity for, you know, like I said, the, the things that I heard my parents playing, you know, comedy app. You know, I remember like on trips, like my mother's from Jersey mm-hmm. and it would be oftentimes I remember when my grandmother had fell ill. And this is, you know, around the time that she passed, my mother was in Jersey for like a month with her. And she asked my father to bring us down so we could spend Christmas there. And unbeknownst to us at the time, that was my last Christmas with her. Mm. And I remember my dad packing us up, you know, he slept all day so he could drive. He drove at night so me and my sister would be mm-hmm. sleeping, not asking, you know, a yeah. bunch of where where are we? Where are we there yet? Yeah. You know, he just knock it out. And I remember when he always thought we would sleep. He throw on them comedy albums, Red Fox, mm-hmm. Robin Harris, you know, Bill Cosby, the you know, that laughing and that interaction of those comedy albums to keep him up at night for that 12, 14 hours on the road. So mm-hmm. my, my love for Bill Cosby come from that specifically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He recorded the from the albums. We used to sit up in y'all room and listen to the records of, mm-hmm. of you know, all the 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 buck buck or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All the all the Bill Cosby albums, Mom Mabley or whatever, but we'll go to Tennessee and that's what we listen to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like my love for at the time for Bill Cosby was wasn't necessarily the Cosby show. It yeah. was. I didn't even have the same relationship with the Cosby show as some people do. It's great TV. Mm-hmm. But like I already had a family. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody, oh, you. that's America's dad. Like I, I got a dad and a mom. Yeah. Like so, I never looked at them like them was my parents because yeah, I already got them. <laughs> I feel you because I already had like I grew up with the family structure. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I didn't yearn for or I didn't need to see it on TV. Yeah. Now I had a little I don't know a little play school recorder or something. I and I had a bedtime. Okay, <laughs> but I used to sneak in the hallway and try to put my little recorder down so I can like. Record the Cosby Show audio, by the yeah. way, because uh, I mean I did like the Cosby Show, right? All things considered, yeah. I mean, she was going to bed early because Co- I remember watching the Cosby Show. Like, yeah. yeah, it came on early. You know, running a tight ship around there, Mister Johnson. Well, it was it was Mrs. Johnson. Okay, you know, I you know, I was like, well, they'll go to sleep when they want to. You know, uh, when they get tired, they'll go to. They've been playing all day. They'll get tired. They'll go to sleep. Okay. Um, but she was rigid. And I ran a lot of interference with them. And I don't I don't know if they realized it or not because it, it didn't seem like – it seemed like I always had to do what she said 
this is good for them. Okay. And uh, a lot of times I would run interference for them or, or loosen up things, uh, especially uh, in the summer, uh, vacations, and, you know, we go out of town. So, well, yeah, y'all can do what you want to do. <laughs> Daddy, can we? And, you know, they would always send Jason, Dad, can cool. we do this? Uh, can we do that? Can we go there? Yeah, y'all can go. It's okay with your mom? Yeah. <laughs> you know, mama, you know, I mean, I was the I was the baby. So she had, you know, wanted to make sure I was protected at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, back in the day, dog, that was just so dope. You go outside, y'all don't know where I'm at. I'd be gone for hours. <laughs> get on that bike and just be. But life was, you know, and I know every generation has its ups and downs, but I just feel like when we we the same age, essentially, life was a lot different. Yeah. I had, you know, I always, my friends always joke about, like, the level of freedom that my parents gave me. It wasn't like I was a great kid by any stretch of the imagination, but, like, if I could get there, I could go there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I had the autonomy to, like, get out and explore, and that's how I learned the city. That's how I learned the streets, yeah. and I was able like, to move around. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the alternative back then? Wasn't no cell phones. No. You, you lucky if you had a house phone. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you had, there was no, like, you got to call somebody when you make it to a home or make it to or a Or to phone. a pay phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember, people growing up without pay phones is wild. Uh-huh. I remember like we would I remember being with friends and like we may have cash, but we didn't ha- we yeah, would all have to put change together to use the payphone somewhere. And like we yeah. called one parent and like, can she get us all home? And that's who we were ride with. Yeah. So look, man, I'll I, I be telling people about, you know, that you can pretty much do anything. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, from like I used to could creating stuff, painting, <laughs> drawing, whatever it is. And sometimes. I be trying to explain to people like the house that we lived in. It's a regular house, you know what I'm saying? But he did the kitchen over, did the basement over, did the the attic over. And I be trying. I, I was talking to somebody at, at work. I'm like, oh yeah, we had a peach tree in the backyard. It was like what? Like, <laughs> we had a peach tree. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Fresh peaches. And I talked to him about. We had a pear tree in our backyard. I was like, man, we had uh we had two ponds in the backyard. And it was like, I don't understand. <laughs> what made you? So, you know, you can get a pond now, right? You put the little black plastic insert in there. We had two ponds, but it was, that was, that didn't exist yet. Mm-mm. Could you tell what? I saw the article in, I believe it was uh, Better Homes and Gardens. It might have been Popular Mechanics. And they showed how you create a pond you dig out a hole put a liner in it and fill it with water and i looked at it and i said well it makes sense because you can take a plastic bag put water in it it'll hold the water but on a larger scale and i kept thinking about it and i went through um they had a, it was like Home Depot. It was before Home Depot. It was a place called Handy Andy. Mm, I and forgot all about Handy Andy. Yeah, I remember that story. And yeah. they sold these tarps. Okay. Just like the blue and the green tarps they have. They put them on roofs. And I said, well, that'll hold water. And I bought one, and I just dug out the hole, put the blocks around the edges, put dirt over it, 
filled it with water and see if it would hold the water. And it did. And I said, well, that's just like a fish tank. And it just went from there. And I did this uh, probably every. What year was that? Oh, that had to be about 86, maybe 84, 85, 86, around in there. Uh, It was one of the. One of the first times we went down south, because that's where I saw it. I was just flipping through a magazine, and I saw it. And uh, then I thought about it. I said, well, if you just let the water stagnate, it'll it'll go bad. The fish will die. And I started looking around for what kind of pumps, air pump. First, I put an air pump in there from an aquarium, okay. and it just wasn't big enough. Right. And I started going to stores and finding... Uh, pumps that would pump water, fountain pumps. And the more I looked, the bigger things I got, and it just grew. And I just started growing fish. I, I, um, people would say, well, you got to take the fish out because when it freezes. Wintertime, yeah. In the wintertime. And I said, well, if the water keeps moving, it won't freeze. So I had the fountain going, and the water froze around the edges, but... In the middle, the top, but like underneath, underneath there, the fish, fish would swim uh, slower and slower, and when the water got like slush, I found out that goldfish will go into like a, a suspended animation, like a hibernation, and come spring, they were in there just fine. Wow. Okay. And it just went from there. I built a pond, and uh, the fish went from. About like that in the in the summer. The next spring, they were like this. Okay. And that that just did it for me. I, I said, ain't goldfish. I ain't never seen goldfish this big. I said, I'm going to try to like see. a little koi pond. You know, I always hear that, like, fish will grow to adapt to the size of their environment. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear it, but, you it's know, true. when you have goldfish, most people have them in a small tank yeah. inside the house, so they stay small. Mm-hmm. Put them in a pond. See how big they get. It will amaze you. Wow. And you can train them. You can train them. They they recognize your voice. And you can train them to come to this side of the pond or come to this side of the pond. And it just went on from there. And it's it's like uh, aquarium in the house. It just... We had those too. You just become a part of it. Maybe that's why I don't like fish. They was always pets, so I can't eat my pets. We have John. We had twelve, thirteen inch catfish. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. Albino catfish, the dark blue ones. Mm-hmm. Like they was just in the house. So like, yeah. I'm I'm one of my I'm gonna eat catfish. No, I get you. I you know what I'm saying? Uh, we had a bunch of random stuff at, at uh, what was like. We had some Venus flytraps. Like, what made you buy some Venus flytraps? Just seen them in the. Um what was that place? Frank's Nursery. Yeah. And just seen them there. And um, I remember having them in school. And I said, well, that'll be kind of nice. Because I, I had, my mother had house plants okay. all over. So I tried to keep house plants. And uh, I said, I'm going to see how, how big these things are get. You know, you can feed them live. Uh, crickets. and Crickets or flies and things like that. And, uh it just went on. Everything I would see that was just a little bit different, you know. Um, Turtles? Yeah. Chameleons? 
Mm-hmm. Lizards in the house. My mom was not happy. About that. <laughs> she was not happy. What about kind of that. lizards? Chameleons. Chameleons. Okay. Can they be in the base? And they one hundred percent. Then we you know have some uh, some wood in the basement. They literally would turn brown like mm-hmm. uh, crickets in the refrigerator. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. Don't open this container because uh, <laughs> crickets don't chill in there. But you know, just to say. I don't have to be just this. I can I can be something different. Something that not to say that I'm better, I'm just different. Something, you don't have to fit in a box. Yeah, I don't I don't have to fit in that box. I don't have to stay in this boundary because somebody said so. I can do something different. Um not to be bad, evil, but you know, it's 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 something else good, you know. Um and see how far it goes. You know, Jay has shared with me one thing that I that I've been interested to to talk to you about since I've heard him talk about the story. You know, he, he mentioned that um you and Mr. Johnson met at Cast Tech, mm-hmm. you know, one of the, the launch pad for black excellence in the yeah. city of Detroit. Uh and that you know, you took a, a different route than a lot of your friends. I know that you all got married very young, right? You mm-hmm. know, essentially out of high school. Yeah. You decided to to start your family, you know, really, you know, when, when most most of us are still figuring out life. What, what kind of made you veer off into that path at that age? Before you, uh, let me put it in context and what I, to let you know what I told the people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I told them, like, Knowing the neighborhood that mine grew up in, that you grew up in, and the time uh, in history that was where you had like the whole Bush Jones, YBI, all that stuff going mm-hmm. on in this in this chamber, all that stuff that was going on. Um, and at 18, 19, y'all had um, a child and you went and got a job at the water department mm-hmm. for the city of Detroit. And there were so many others who did something different. And I mean, I, you probably you had to see people driving up and down the street in oh yeah, flashy cars and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So like, like what made you say nah? I'm just gonna. Well, again, I don't have to be that. I mean, I grew up uh, dope dealers in the neighborhood. Kids we played with, their parents, uncles and aunts were dope dealers. We were, uh, I remember a kid down the street, we went in the house to get some water, and they had cocaine on the table. We didn't know what it was. Hey, you kids, get out of there. But um, my parents uh, made homebrew beer, wine, um, things like that. But I made up in my mind at a young age, I don't have to imitate the bad that I see. My life is going to be different. My life is going to be better, uh, a better quality. Not necessarily by uh, making something uh, against the law. Uh, I've known a lot of people that have uh, went to jail for uh uh, moonshine liquor, uh, uh, um, drug trafficking, um, lived uh, through the riots. I was a kid then. 
and uh, saw people get killed, people get uh, arrested. Uh, some of the pictures you see where they had a, a line of people up against the wall. We were little kids seeing all of that. And I was determined that that's not going to be me. And I met a girl in cast that, um, we, you know, we were talking and talking about how we wanted our life when we grew up. Um, my mother died while I was in, at then, junior high school. Okay. So I felt my life was over. So I'm thinking everything I'm going to do in my life, I have to do between the uh, eighth grade and as long as I can live. I wasn't expecting to live. I wasn't expecting to live to be 20. So everything I I want to do, I have to do in that time. So when I got out of high school, I was determined to have to get married, have kids, and raise them best I could before I die. And uh, I found a girl that we just talked about everything, every conceivable scenario. Well, what if uh, what if we get married and you get in an accident and you get all burned up or you get all broken up? Are you going to leave me? No, I can't leave you because I love you. Well, what does love really mean? Love means that no matter what, divorce is not an option. Uh, I can forgive you for anything. And we just, you know, walking home from school, we would talk about, well, if I do this, if I become a drug addict, will you forgive me? Yeah, I'll forgive you, but I want you to get off of drugs. Not knowing deeply how intense it could be. Right. But we were determined to figure all of this out. And what we were waiting on, because I was like a year, year and a half, almost two years ahead of her. So I had to wait until she graduated. Year, eight months, yeah. I had to to wait till she graduated. So in the time that I got my first little job, um, and I was driving and, you know, making sure she was going to school and everything, and then I skipped my prom. She didn't have no suit, no money, no prom pictures, none of this stuff that people do now is is amazing to me. But I just let all of that go. And when she went through her uh, graduation and everything, I went to the prom with her. And but You know, even though I know where y'all got married at, mm-hmm. in my brain, that prom picture was y'all marriage picture. Yeah. Like I just thought to doubt because y'all were like, oh, he got a suit on. He just, like in my brain, I just was like, oh, this was the marriage picture. Even though, wow, <laughs> white next to a picture of y'all actually getting married, it, not in those clothes. Mm-hmm. In my brain, I'm like, oh, this the this the this the this the same thing. dress. I went to the same place to get the same size tuxedo, and uh, it's, it's like literally, it's the same picture. And uh, one thing 
that happened that really kicked everything in gear. We were we got married in her backyard. We were uh, uh, sitting, you know, we went through the ceremony. We were sitting with the reception. The reception was right there. And there were two, three of her neighbors. Just like we're sitting here, they was talking about, oh, they're too young. They ain't going to last. Oh, look at him. He ain't going to stay with her. I give it a month. I give it six months. Oh, no, they ain't going to stay together that long. And we're hearing all of this. And they were her neighbors. I just respected them because they were older. But I made up my mind then. As long as God let me live, I'm never going to leave her. Because they said I would. I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to stay with her longer than they're going to live. I'm never going to let somebody say, Oh, he ain't gonna do that. He's not. He's not good enough, or he's he's not uh, strong enough. I'm gonna die trying to prove them wrong. Man, that's 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 heavy. That's but I I I, I get it. I get it, y'all. Mm-hmm. You know, y'all made a choice to to choose each other. Yeah. From from that point, from that point on, I don't. You know, I it's my desire to get married again. I, I was married once and. You know, I always looked at it like we were too young. We were, I was 22, about to turn 23. My ex-wife at the time was was real young. And I know we grew up, and in my mind, we grew in two separate directions. Mm-hmm. I was content with where my life was, but she was steadily growing, you know, furthering her education, changing who she was as a person. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was making decent money. We had a ki- We had kids. We had a house. Like, my, my goals were different from hers at the time. And I'm sure if we would have worked harder or, you know, made that, I guess at some point we, we made the choice to choose the things that we wanted individually mm-hmm. more than, more than we desired the marriage. But to hear, you know, you don't think that when people get married that young, like is, is going to last. And I remember hearing the same things like, Oh, they're too young. Mm-hmm. And not that I, not to say that I digested that information, but I, it always stuck in the back of my mind. Like, well, maybe if we'd have got married later on in life, that, that things would have been different. But, you know, I often hear couples that have been married, you know, long, long time. My, my aunt and my uncle, for example, were married probably 50 plus years mm-hmm. before my uncle passed on. Uh-huh. And I remember him always saying, like, you know, I made the choice to take care of your aunt. You know, he, he said he met her in third grade. Now is his girlfriend ever since. Oh. Mm-hmm. And he said he made the choice to take care of her, you know, at a young age. And it sounds funny when you're kids, but mm-hmm. no, that's that's really a conscious and a serious decision that you all made and stuck to. I mean, that's. You stuck to the words of the vows, yeah. you know, long before the, the wedding took place. Well, if you look at my wedding picture, I have a frown on my face. Looks like a frown. Okay. I was intensely listening to the wedding vows. Everything that that preacher said, do you promise uh, in, in the sight of God? I took those words so seriously. I, I just had this intense look on my face, like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I know God will let me do this. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to do this. 
And uh, we plan to have a whole lot more children. And I said, no matter how many children I have, no matter what uh, financial bills come, because she wasn't working, she hadn't planned to work. And that's the way things were then. Usually women didn't work. Wives didn't work. Um, But I was determined if I had to work two jobs, if I had to work three jobs, I was going to make this work. Because there were so many uh, people saying they're too young. This is not going to work. There was statistics – the statistics for marriages not working, not lasting, was going up. And I said, I don't understand why. I, I don't understand uh, people having to break up. What are they breaking up over? And Because we talked about all this stuff. We, right. we, we uh, Richer or for poorer, uh, sickness better, and health. All better or worse, that. yeah. Better or for worse. Um, and I mean, for like, uh, almost two years, we talked about every scenario that we could think of and we just talked it all out and we were determined. And, um, even her mother, her mother didn't like me. She likes me now. <laughs> Most definitely. But then she didn't like me. Her, From my understanding, my dad was a bit of a ladies' man in, in um, high school. Um, Are we all? Well, <laughs> that was a big school. Cass was <laughs> Cass was a big school. Full. I mean, it's like uh, some of these movies where you get on a, a desert island is is populated by women. It was just. Girl, I never seen that many girls. You know, and, and that's we, funny because twenty years, twenty plus years later, when me and Jason were there, I remember I was I went out to dinner with a friend of mine last night. He went to Cass, graduated with me, and everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember freshman orientation. I can't remember the teacher's name, but he got up there and he said, "There are eight girls to every one of you boys here at Cass." And I said, "I'm gonna get all my eight plus a, plus a couple of somebody else's." Look, the, the first time I ever went to Cass, my guy brother had played football there, and he was he graduated a year before I came. Mm-hmm. And I remember he told me to come on out to the game. I knew his girlfriend. He said, "Sit with her. She'll introduce you to her friends. Mm-hmm. They'll take good care of you. You'll love it." I played football. Ball, so I, I wanted to see what a high school game was. I can't remember the game. Yeah. I don't remember what he did, but I remember walking into that stadium and I saw a sea full of women. <laughs> and, at th- and at 13, a girl 16, 17 is yeah. a grown woman. Oh my goodness. And I could see tall, short, light skinned. Mm-hmm. Every woman I could think of was there. And I be on, I knew my, my father went to Cass before he moved back to Dallas. Uh-huh. My uncle had graduated from Cass. Oh and I, boy. And to me, I didn't have any con- I knew they went there, but I really didn't have any connection. Mm-hmm. All I knew is when I came home, I said, that's the high school I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to Cass Tech. Because <laughs> they got girls they there. They got girls there. 
I mean, they like blades did. of grass. Yeah. They, got <laughs> they, every, they were everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. I met a girl in line at graduation that was beautiful. And I asked her, I said, how long you been going here? She said, I've been here since ninth grade. I had never seen her yeah. before the day we were standing in line to walk into Kobo. Wow. Yeah, guys, a big school, man. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's not as expansive now, but like, you know, I went from a Catholic school. We may may have had four hundred kids in the school total. Mm-hmm. There were a thousand of us in ninth grade. Yeah. When, when my first day at Cass, the school had almost four thousand kids. Mm-hmm. We went to a small school too, man. We went. To, I went through a K through eight. And Same that, with me. That I, wasn't even the K through eight, <laughs> actually, but because my brother defended or brief befriended. Uh, Tommy Rockhorse, who mine worked in the, the school. So once you left Dixon, you had to go to Lessinger, Rudderman, or Ann Arbor Trail. And those were quote-unquote scary. And this little white kid who lived in a predominantly black neighborhood probably wasn't going to fare too well. So she got him to... It went from a sixth grade. Now it was their seventh grade. <laughs> Now was an eighth grade. You know what I'm saying? So we was really self-contained. It's a dangerous school. Y'all had no idea what was going on. No, we didn't. Like, y'all really did. Mm-mm. I don't think I ever told y'all this before, but like, I know Dwayne listening. I'm spilling the beans, okay? <laughs> spilling the beans. Well, I can't whoop y'all now. Uh, <laughs> no whooping house now. Because yeah, the whooping house turned into our house, okay? <laughs> yeah. don't, 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 I want y'all to think that this was a, all psychological because the whooping house no, 100% it, turned into mm-hmm. my house, okay? Um, but, like, like, people was calling the house giving death threats. We had the phone off the hook. So what? Like, like, it was really wild. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> but, like, I would go to school and, like, I would see people, like, looking at, like, people come to the house to fight. You know what I'm saying? Like. To our house. Yes. <laughs> listen. <laughs> and, you know, Dwayne don't back down. You feel me? And, like, I protect my brothers. One day, somebody knocked on the door like, man, Dwayne, man, these cats, they want out here to fight you. He started putting his shoes on. We look outside, it's 10 people at least that's want to fight and others just want to watch. So I just grabbed two knives out the kitchen drawer and we go outside, you know. But all this stuff be wrapped up nicely in the bowl by the time y'all came home. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's, like, it's time to stop fighting. You know, we on a time schedule. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And because, you know, my brother was one of the one of the, the stronger people in the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? It was only like it was like three people over there. Uh, and he was one of the three. Two of them was good guys, and one of them was a bad guy. Okay, and uh, so he don't, you know, he didn't back down. You know what I'm saying? So like, it was always something that was going on, and it was like, and it, too much for like children of this age. Like my high school, high school wasn't nothing. You know what I'm saying compared to what was going on in this little this little middle school because it was high schoolers coming up there trying to fight like or fighting. <laughs> Uh, Different times, man. Different times. You know, Mr. Johnson, Jason has also mentioned something about a paddle that you created. Oh, Uh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I did. And that you you were making it for, you were trademarking and making it for family. Mm Mm-hmm. What would you? What, what was the the thought process behind this thing, man? Just just another tool to keep them in line. I thought, yeah, I thought visually that they would see it and 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 straighten up. Well, listen. 
it worked. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, cause I see, like, we did some bad things, right? We was on punishment whole year, whole nine yards. Couldn't get no Christmas presents. Like, can't nobody else buy y'all <laughs> Christmas presents. You know what I'm saying? And like, we see, I see him, you know, he can make anything. You feel me? So, I see him buy the wood. Then I was looking out the back, and my room was in the back. I'm looking out the backyard. He in there sawing and shaving and shellacking. He drilling holes in it. He took fire to it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, like I said, like he was like Conan out there, like welding the sword. You know what I'm saying? Like, ah, ah. Now, it ain't lost on me that he do play the psychological stuff sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Who's going to get this whooping, right? But this was like a whooping in in waiting. Like, you know, he like, like the, he, he didn't tell us. That's the worst ones. Didn't tell us when the whooping was gonna happen. So it was one morning and hit the joint on the floor, like, line up. And my mom was like, no, no, not before school. <laughs> so it was like, all right, hey, y'all, because it's me, Dwayne, and Netta. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, well, y'all know we about to get it when we come home. So, you know. Enjoy school. <laughs> Enjoy school, right? So they come home and we don't get no whooping. I'm like, yo, because he, he doing the thing again, right? So one night, they come home from church. I'm downstairs in the basement, uh, taking. For, I'm about to do laundry or something, you know. And I hear banging on for like, boom, 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 line up, like George Jefferson, like, <laughs> <laughs> jumping up and down, line up. And uh, I the think, word must have been spared a rod, spoiled a child. It was it was time for redemption. Mm-hmm. So you know, grip your ankles, whole nine yards. So first swing. I don't know who went first. I feel like I went first. I don't know. I had to go first, but so he was scared to hit us with. He was scared to hit me with the paddle, right? So he swung and it was just like, and in my head I'm like, oh, this another one of those things, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was I'm, testing. I'm glad I I'm, he was I'm testing glad, the swing. I'm glad mm-hmm. I didn't laugh because it got harder. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a very I'm a very skinny kid, you know what I'm saying? My mom yeah. used to call me her little Somalian. That's how, mm-hmm. that's how small I was, and I like flew on the other side of the room. You know what I'm saying? But like the paddle was a was a was a thing, okay. And then he made one for my aunt Addie and my aunt Wanda. Mm-hmm. Like this not this not right. It's <laughs> <laughs> not right. Uh, which is why when I got the cast right, and we running we running track, and Wiltshire want to come out the paddle, the state no, champ. Ain't no man about listen. One, you're not doing it. My father didn't gave me with the paddle. Ain't no other man about to hit me with no paddle. I don't play that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not with corporal punishment from like other than family. I'll take the beating from love from, you know what I'm saying? But like outside of that, you're not about to hit me with no paddle. Like who was you? I'm not I'm not having it. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, this, I, I remember the, the tool that you're talking Coach Wiltshire had because I played football, the state champ. And it was more or less, like you said, a psychological thing. Now, I know a couple people that Maybe, that, that felt I, the wood. I seen it. Yeah, but the wood out for sure. But for, but for most people, it was just like a a tool of intimidation to make sure you went to class. Because like he would carry it in the hallways, just more make sure you went to class and you wouldn't act mm-hmm. a fool inside of school. Yeah, you're not putting your hands on me, dog. It just is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. listen, I always say like uh like this version I am of myself. I haven't always been this version. But I also don't know what I was like as a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like now, I question everything. I'm looking and researching all that. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I was like that all the time. Like, what kind of kid was I? You were a good kid. You really were. Um, and I can say this without uh, any hesitation at all. 
you were, I guess because your brother was almost the opposite, you were just a trouble-free kid. You, you, you went to school. You got good grades. You were a pleasant kid. Uh, I didn't know y'all were fighting, you know, <laughs> like you were, but uh, you always did what was right. Uh, I never had any trouble with you. Never uh, called to school because you were skipping school or uh, not doing your homework or, or fighting in school. Well, I did get that. I did have one fight in school. I got suspended for. That's when somebody took a. Uh, you know, Mama had that WJLB jacket, mm-hmm. the blue one with the white leather uh, arms, um, and somebody, a hater, took my coat and he threw it in the threw it in the urinal. You know what I'm saying at, at school, so yeah, we had to fight, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like there's 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 no other. Like somebody came and told me, took it out of my locker, came and told me like we had to fight. Like there's no other. There's no other, there's no other way around. Uh, we just had to fight because and and see, and then you remember your mama. Yeah, she she was a bully. <laughs> mama ain't no joke, right? I mean that that little woman, she made guys. At her job, football players back down, intimidated. She ran her department like a <laughs> like Starlock Thirteen or something. She did not play, and uh, there was uh, two things you didn't mess with: you didn't mess with her kids, and you didn't mess with me. Okay. And I always said, if I ever get in a fight, I'm gonna tell my wife on you. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't know if I ever told you this, but like, uh, remember that one dude down the street, Tony, tall, yeah. light skinned. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever told you this, but like one night he was creeping through our yard. I don't know he was. He, he hopped a fence or, or whatever, and you went outside, and I was in my room and I'm looking out the out the shade, so you didn't know I was there. Mm-hmm. But I seen y'all interaction. You had to you had the pistol behind your back. He was in your robe. You uh-huh. had the pistol behind your back. And um he was saying like he like whatever he said, he was like, Listen, I don't care what happened with you. Don't ever come through this backyard again. Oh yeah. And you I was like, that. Well, I'm gonna step a mud hole in you. Mm-hmm. Now everybody think that they dad is like Superman, you know what I'm saying? But like when you in front of something, like you can you can put on a show for your kids for, but like when wasn't nobody around and I'm looking through, like you don't know I'm here. I'm like yo, <laughs> like yo, it's real. You know hey, what I'm no, I wasn't gonna let nobody mess with you guys. Mm-mm. It, it was, you know, up there on Joy Road, it was a lot of crazy stuff going on. That's a fact. And I was just determined. You're not gonna mess with my kids. You're not. You're not gonna do that. You know. I and I, I've shared with Jason. You know, my father definitely took that that same type of stance and really instilled that with me. Mm-hmm. That you know, he always he all he would say it. And you know, sometimes you just hear your parents say so much. Yeah. As a kid, like you know, whatever. That's just dad mm-hmm. talking. But like my father, I remember I had an incident with somebody at school and before I I went through that growth spurt and I 
turn six feet tall. Like I was, I was, I was fat. I was short. Mm -hmm. I was scared. And I remember something happened up in school and I was, you know, I was afraid of how I was going to deal with it. And I saw my father like take that same type of approach of protection. And Mm -hmm. that always stood with me. I got five kids myself Mm -hmm. and that always stood with me. I remember Maybe about a year and a half ago, I had an incident with the neighbor because I thought he said something to my son. And, you know, just I just sprung into action because same thing. We live I live off of Puritan. Mm-hmm. It's still a jungle over there. And yeah. regardless of what happens, this is this is our house. These are my babies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want to be I've seen people when the pressure is on them. They're, they're not who they say they are. They're not what they say they are. But, yeah. you know, for me and mine, I have to show my my babies that, look, if you need me to protect you, mm-hmm. I'm going to go through hell and high water to make sure that oh, nothing yeah. happens to anybody in this house. Mm-hmm. And I seen my mama drive some people into a ditch for messing <laughs> with me, too. Oh, my God. Drove them off the road. <laughs> She she, she was, was in the car. He was on foot. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> he you know, barely survived. The <laughs> that's bitch. a fact. Uh, you know, we used mm. to go down to uh, Tennessee in the summertime, Fourth of July, and uh, they would have like the the projects versus the street firecracker wars. People come in there with like skin ripped off their body. You know what I'm saying? Like getting hit with rockets. And we was outside. Somebody shot a rocket at me, and they came in the house and told and. She hopped oh in the car, God. got her keys, mm-hmm. hopped in the car and started before driving. I could slow her down or stop her. And before I knew it, they came back and told me what happened. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to take my wife to jail. <laughs> yeah, it was wh- hey, you promised to stick it out. You got to oh, go get her. Yeah, I got to go get her. Man, you know what I didn't know? I didn't notice this when we was talking about Christmas. Every time we would go down there on Thanksgiving and we'll go down to Tennessee on uh, 4th of July. I Walmart wasn't a thing here. Like that was something that Mm-mm. was just they didn't have any here. Just, didn't have any in Michigan. Yeah, it wasn't a thing. Kmart. That was like yeah, a that big was box That's store. About yeah. it. We would go to Walmart every time we went to Tennessee for Thanksgiving. I had no idea y'all was Black Friday shopping. Yeah. I had so we rode back with all the presents behind us. <laughs> I had no idea, dog. Like until like years later, like <laughs> I think Netta told me. <laughs> like, I, it, the cat never got off the bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't even know. Like, I didn't know Black Friday was a thing until I right. was literally like in my twenties. I remember I wanted to buy my girlfriend, my ex-wife at the time. Mm-hmm. I saw that Circuit City had one carat earrings on sale for like a hundred dollars, and the sale started. You know, Black Friday. So in my mind, if I started work, let's say I started work at 10 o'clock, so I'm going to get there a little early. I'm going to go to the mall about 9 before my shift starts, and I'm going to grab these earrings. Mm-hmm. I remember walking into Circus City, 9 o'clock, mail, you know, the, the little sales paper in hand, and I, I'm like, why is there so many people here? <laughs> and I remember I walked to the jewelry counter, and I gave the lady the thing. I was like, yeah, I came for these. And she was like, baby, they an older black lady. Mm-hmm. She's like, baby, they've been they've been gone. But me at 1920, I'm like, what are you talking about? It's a sale. There should be a bunch of them. And she clearly saw that there was a disconnect in what she was trying to relay. Yeah, you that can see if somebody be having an attitude or they generally confused. I was just I was generally <laughs> stupid because I didn't get I didn't get what this Black Friday thing yeah. was. Like y'all said, y'all open up at eight o'clock. It's only nine. Like y'all got to have some more in the back. And she's clearly saw that like 
he oh, ain't all the, yeah, <laughs> all the lights ain't on. So she she was like, I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm gonna give you a rain check. And she was like, Come back next week and we'll have some more. Mm-hmm. And I'm still pushing it like you can't call another one to see if they got some over. She's like, no, it don't work like that. Come back. She's like, keep this mm-hmm. and come back next week and there'll be some more. She was there the next time and I was able to get the get the deal. But that was I'm again, I'm nineteen twenty mm-hmm. before I realized what a Black Friday was. Yeah. Yeah, because they didn't have that up here. Nah, nah. And we didn't know what it was down there. And uh they were saying they told my wife, they said, uh, you coming with us? And she said, Where? <laughs> Come on, we going to Walmart, we gonna we going to Black Friday. What's a Black Friday? And you know, we thinking what could this be? Right. And she came because I was still asleep. And they were up like six o'clock in the morning. And she came back with uh some of everything. Some of everything. And she said, we're going to do this every year. <laughs> and we did. So that's why we was going to <laughs> Tennessee. Twofold. Vacation yeah. and shopping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. We used to go. And we'd be in there with them sometimes before we left. Like, I'm just want a toy. Yeah. You know what I'm y'all kids. Y'all want oblivious to what's mm-hmm. going on. I just want a cap gun. Oh, you know what? I'm glad I said cap gun. Now, listen, man. Uh, everybody on this pod who listened to this pod. Uh, knows that I am a strong uh, Second Amendment uh, gun rights to whole nine yards. And uh, how young was I when you got us shooting guns? How old, I mean, how, how old were you? Because <laughs> yeah, the core fell out. Mm. All right, I'm back. I don't think y'all were. I don't think y'all were 10. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it had to be because ninety two, Men's Society was out. We was definitely shooting guns by then. Yeah, I think y'all might have started. We started like target practice. You know, we started target practice like when you guys were eight, like eight. What were y'all like eight and eleven? Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of held back with Dwayne, but because you were right there too, you were younger but uh before it was a thing before uh because people in the south they they shot they hunted you know i we my uh father's side of the family we would go down to virginia where we own you know land down there and i remember being about eight or nine years old Mm -hmm. and he set some tin cans out in the backyard and he there was a shotgun right by the door because guns were like literally, I never had the affinity for guns because they were everywhere. They were everywhere. Yeah, we. I remember my father had a shotgun in his room, and we would take those long trips. He'd pack a gun with him, so like, it was never a thing like, oh, you know, where I was mystified by mm-hmm. it because I always saw it, so yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, just, you know, don't, just don't don't bother don't that. Yeah. Don't touch that. Yeah, what just did, don't touch it. What did Mama think? She didn't like it. Uh, that was one of those times where. I got to do what I wanted to do. Um, kind of, I was sneaking in doing it. What's so funny, because she bought me my first gun. Well, not actual gun. She bought them gun with the little pla- the white plastic balls. I'm like, mm-hmm. Mom, you don't like guns, and you bought us a gun. Like, yeah. whatever. Um, 
But I remember going in the backyard when we were in Virginia and like just just trying to shoot the cans off of the fence. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was a big part of me looking forward to because I knew I couldn't do we couldn't do that back home in Detroit. Right. But I knew when we would go down. down the yeah. Farm. I knew when mm-hmm. we went down there for the summer, I get to go in the backyard and shoot. Yeah. Uh, when I think about it, I remember you buying that twelve gauge from tar- from from Kmart on mm-hmm. Plymouth. Yeah, Plymouth and Southfield Road. I re- I don't know how how long ago it was, but I remember us going there and you buying that twelve gauge because mm-hmm. before it was the that uh you could buy like a live shotgun that came. Oh yeah, I mean, man, you buy that Walmart now. I mean, yeah. Back then, you walked in, you say, "I want that shotgun." You took it to the you took it to the counter. I mean, to the checkout, and you paid for it. No background check, no two day wait, nothing. You got you got the money mm-hmm. and cash and carry. And you wasn't took nobody the, shooting up no schools. No, you took you bought Unless the shells, you bought the gun, you bought a case if you wanted, and you walked out the door with it. And it wasn't no big deal. People did it all. Thank the you time. for coming to Kmart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and like we knew where the gun was at. Well, like, we didn't go touch it, though. Like, it wasn't even a, a, a oh, wow, look at this. Because, like, we know how to gun it. We know the, the, the. And, and that's a, and that's the same thing, like, in my house. Like, you know, I, I just bought a new gun a couple months ago. And I got it some. And I remember I had it out or something. And I had somebody buy the house. And, like, you you afraid that the kids. I'm like, the kids know I got guns in the house. And, they, mm-hmm. and my, my rule has always been with the kids. Look. You know I have guns. Mm-hmm. I don't have no problem with you. If you want to see it, you can. Mm-hmm. But just don't go don't go sneaking for it and don't go right. touching stuff in my room. Mm-hmm. I just took the mystery out of it. Mm-hmm. Through all the trouble, we ain't never go upstairs to get no gun. Because that'll end the fight quick. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We'll, we'll this, this was off limits. Mm-hmm. But but that's the thing. Like, I don't I don't carry my weapon to brandish it. You know what I'm like? I don't pull it out and take videos with it. Like, no, this is here for protection. Mm-hmm. Like as much as we love the dog, like it, when I heard something in the backyard, that's the first line of defense. I yeah. let the dog outside yeah. and wherever he lead me to, then I'm behind him with my gun. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there is, I never mystified what it was. Like I got right. these to protect us in the event of an emergency. Yeah. This ain't, you know, for you to make TikTok videos with, this is just to protect our house. Well, see, that's the way we were raised. The way my daddy taught me, he said, now, you can shoot this when we're down south. You just can't do it in Detroit. But don't touch it showing it to to your friend. Yeah. Don't get mad at somebody and say you're going to shoot them. He taught me that I, I was probably seven or eight years old. And uh, now you did let us shoot on uh, one or two times on New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's see, the Detroit that tradition. Was, that was different. That's the Detroit see, tradition. Yeah, see, he would let us shoot on New Year's Eve, um, and I brought them up shooting on New Year's Eve. Which is like so, like now shooting on New Year's Eve. I'm like, man, that's kind of wild. But no. like when I was young, like no, that was I couldn't wait. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a we. Were, it was that's a how I know gauge. it's the new year. Yeah, <laughs> it's Everybody. a twelve gauge. It's like some buckshots. It ain't we ain't shooting a, a AR across. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or you shoot like a little twenty two rifle or something. Like ain't nobody. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, man, bullets so expensive now. I ain't going outside and wasting rounds. But I paid forty dollars for for my last box of bullets, man. But that was the thing, man. I, that I, was the thing. I, yeah. I, no, no, I re- I remembered and see it was it was a tradition. It was. 
you didn't get uh, news stories the next day, people getting shot, houses getting shot, people getting injured. Um, there came a time when people, instead of shooting up, they started shooting at street signs, started shooting the street lights out. And that just messed it up for everybody. Yeah. And that's what started the campaign of, of not shooting on New Year's because people started getting hurt and killed and uh, bullets start coming down in people's house or they would literally shoot. They'd be drunk and they didn't shoot up. They shot at windows. Yeah. And it, it just, you know, you know, all of that stuff that, <laughs> you know, I used to tell my kids about Devil's Night and they thought it was the craziest thing to like, what are you talking about? People burning. How I said, I know it sounds mm-hmm. crazy, I but people used to camp. Now, I remember Devil's Night when I was younger. Well, no. Like, I, well, let me rephrase that. Do you know anybody ever burned a house down? Yes, I do. I know somebody. I know somebody personally that the house that I live in now was the house we lived in when I was younger before we moved out. I remember personally there was an abandoned house directly across the street. My neighbor next door, I watched him go to the house, pour gasoline around the base of the house, and light it on fire. I he watched wow. him. Man, he wanted the abandoned house gone. Because if my, am I, as an adult. And that's what I'm thinking. Like, maybe that was the as thing. As an like, adult, I think it was white folks from the suburbs coming in and burning down houses. Well, what we did, we threw garbage everywhere. Tip over people's garbage cans. We throw. We didn't throw eggs a lot. Because you didn't mess over food Ooh, like that. Yeah, I got you. You might get a bar of soap and and write scribble on windows. You didn't. We was <laughs> we were so square. We didn't write no cuss words because somebody might have saw you and you <laughs> get in trouble. <laughs> so we just scribbled something on people's cars that you didn't like. Right. Usually somewhere far from your house because somebody that knew your parents and and said you did that, you was getting tore up. Okay, and then that's what Devil's Night was about. It, it and it, and it just it just started getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, you spent your whole life here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And so, how was it like, uh, like raising kids in the the beginning, middle, and end of the crack epidemic, especially in Detroit? It was scary because I didn't know a lot about crack I didn't I didn't understand why it was so addictive I don't, I don't I didn't understand and I still don't why somebody can say I got to have this or I got to try this I can understand it, it it being a hook and it just sucks you in yeah the way you can't let it go but, but the first attempt the first attempt um especially after you see what it do yeah like all right first year Y'all get a pass. Y'all thought it was the party. But, like, once you start seeing the quote-unquote crackhead, mm-hmm. what would make you? What would Lee say? She on that rock now. Yeah. She on that rock now. And, and, and you know, trying to protect you guys from that, uh, anything that had anything to do with it, we just just tried to, 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 to surround you and, and, and cocoon you from it. Because, like, you know, the, the, the reputation that Detroit got as being like a violent and, and tough place, the murder capital, all that stuff, that was during the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like, during the, the most dangerous that Detroit has ever been is like when we was growing up. But like, uh, the same thing, like, I, I was clueless to it. Like, I saw things, but like, 
you know, I had no idea how how rampant and how bad it was, you know, until I got older. Because, like, I, it was the same thing. My parents kept us, like, in activities and in such mm-hmm. a small box. Like, it, you know, when crack was really jumping, I'm 8, 9, 10 years old. Like, I literally couldn't leave, you know, beyond what they could see from the house. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. We lived on a corner house. I couldn't drive. I couldn't ride my bike past the corner or go like past one neighbor's driveway. Like I was literally there. Mm-hmm. Man, what's wild is like, um, like we thought our parents was like strict. You know what I'm saying? Just because they just want to be mean today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, I remember Dwayne, eighth grade, about to have a party at the house, and y'all found like some candy wrappers. Like y'all went outside. Party was canceled. The whole nine yards. Now, later on, I found out why we wasn't supposed to leave the house. You know what I'm saying? But, like, when you were a kid, you just think, you know. They're trying not, to stop my fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to be mad that he used to make us pick up trash, you know what I'm saying, do the grass and everything. Now I'm like, man, I'm so glad I was picking up trash. You got some sort of value for your grass. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, stuff that you just thought was like, yo, this is irritating. Oh, I hate doing this. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, it's the, this is the stuff that is the building blocks for how you create a man. Shit. I mean. Yeah. You know, and, and I remember those same things from my dad. And I, and I remember him telling me, you know, me. Com- I remember I did something when I was in 10th grade about cutting the grass. My dad wanted the grass cut every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't no no veering from that. Right. I, and I remember I was playing football that year, so I would have you know two a day practices, take an hour long on the bus to get home, mm-hmm. and then I need I would get home about three o'clock, five o'clock. He turned in the corner. You you can time no. me, <laughs> you can time your watch to it. And when he turned the corner, he need to see the grass. We live on a corner house. Mm-hmm. He need to see the grass cut. Grass cut Wednesday. Five o'clock when he pulled. So I'm literally getting off the bus, going to the house, dragging up the lawnmower and cutting the grass. I said to myself, you know what? This week, I'm going to cut the grass down low so I don't have to do it next week. I burnt the whole lawn. Oh, no. The whole lawn was brown. (laughs) Like, it's turning brown as I'm cutting Mm -hmm. because that's how low I put the lawnmower sitting on. Thinking to myself, if I do it low this week. I ain't got to cut it next week. I can literally remember locking eyes with my dad as he's turning the corner and he like looks at the brown. <laughs> the lawn looks like your jacket He uh-huh. <laughs> as he's turning the corner. And he didn't say anything to me. He, like he couldn't. He, he didn't. <laughs> when he got out the car, we would always have like a little one. He he did not say anything. Mm-hmm. I'm dad. Hey, I cut the grass. He didn't say anything to me. Even when I came in that night, bought in the lawnmower, you know, swept down the step. He didn't say a word to me. The next day, my mother, because I guess he was still that mad. Mm-hmm. He had he had sent the message to her to give to me. It's like your dad said, "Don't cut the grass next week." <laughs> and yes, it worked. And like probably for like a month, he didn't let me touch. It might have been longer than that. Mm-hmm. Maybe that might have been my last time cutting the grass Man. that season because yeah. he didn't want me to, you know, to burn that lawn. Like, because he didn't feel like I. So now that I have my own house and I understand, like, why he was so mad at because it it, it makes the house look crazy. Like, mm-hmm. like you don't care about it. Yeah. Yeah, man. We after the grass, we cut the grass. Then we got to rake the grass. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because we're not going to let the... just the, Can't let the, the the shaving sit out there. No. Mm-hmm. We're going to rake it and then sweep it and put it in the wheelbarrow, taking it back, and then put it in the composter. So I don't I don't even want to... I don't even want to, like, shortcut... Because my dad had an edger. And every other week, you pull the edger out and you edge the grass. Mm-hmm. Weed then, whacker. Then you got to sweep, sweep up the edge. Like, he loved that grass. And oh, I was yeah. just like... I was like, why is he making such a big deal about cutting the grass? Because, because that's his house. These are your yeah. big toys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're getting a dog like y'all. You know, I like a fully manicured lawn. I don't really have time. So I got a service that comes out. And they, I'm like, look, I give him instructions. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, it need to look a certain way, especially if I'm paying y'all to do it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, it got to look a certain way. But it's because of those lessons, you know, while I didn't understand it then and even I look at it like with my son now, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things that he just thought I was riding his back about. Like now that he's a young man, he's living on, he's, he lives on campus with a roommate. He sees where I pressed upon him to clean your room up. Cause his roommate, he, he like, he don't like living with Paul cause he nasty. Yeah. He said he don't clean up behind himself in the bathroom, mm-hmm. leave hair everywhere. And like, that's why I was on you to do those things because you know, because somebody be calling their dad about you. Yeah, if you didn't do it. And, and I just look and I told my son and I didn't really realize it until he decided like he was going to live on campus. These are the fastest 18 years of your life. Mm-hmm. And while they may seem like everything to you, like this is the only time I'm going to have to impress certain things upon you. And like, yeah, you a kid today. today. But 10 years from now, you're mm-hmm. going to be somebody's father. You're going to yep. be somebody's husband. You're going to own a house of your own or rent somebody's house. Mm-hmm. They're going to want you to take care of it a certain way. And you're going to want to live a certain way. While you think I'm tough on you because I want you to wash the dishes every night and clean your room up. Like that's going to be an expectation that you oh, have yeah. for your home mm-hmm. and for your children one day because that's what you grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. And and you have to learn these things. Um, my mother taught us how to sew with a needle and thread. Same with me. You Same know, with me. You can you can sew with a sewing machine to make it quicker, but to sew with a needle and thread, it it takes attention. It takes finesse. It takes skill. And you learn these skills. You learn. Um not to just make things just good enough. Yeah. And um, it's something about passing that on. That's funny that you say that good enough because my dad would always hang his head at like, like good enough isn't. Right. Like if it, it, his thing was like, if you didn't do it right, in my eyes, you just didn't do it. You didn't do it. That's a fact. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, that's, and that always stuck with me. And that needle and thread thing. I remember my mother teaching me how to sew with a needle and thread, like put a button on. Mm-hmm. She's like, you're never going to know when you need. And I was like, yeah. But I remember going to an interview and like literally my button popping mm-hmm. a half hour before I got to go there. I don't have time to find another shirt. If yeah. I don't sew this button back on, mm-hmm. my stomach going to be literally open in this interview. Yeah. And if I didn't have that skill set, I'd have been lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it really means something. Yeah. And um, you, you – you don't know, like I like I said before, I didn't think I was going to live to be 20. And then I did. And I said, well, what am I going to do now? I got, instead of just one child, I'm about to get another one. So wait a minute. This has got to be better 
it's got to be better for them. And uh, I got to teach them everything that my daddy taught me, everything my my father-in-law taught me. Because after I got married, my father-in-law taught me a lot of things. Oh, yeah. And um, I got to make sure that, that these guys grow up to be good guys. And uh, you don't know how long you're going to live. And uh, when I had my heart attack, I thought I was going to die that day. And I'm asking God, take care of my sons, take care of my wife. You know, you took care of me after my mama died, so I know you can can do this. Um, I want my sons to be good. and I was expecting to die at any moment. As the ambulance was taking me to the hospital, I'm saying, okay, Lord, I'm ready. I didn't settle everything. I'm ready to go. And I made it to the hospital. And I'm thinking, well, I'm ready to go. I, I, you know, I didn't expect to live this long. So here I go. And it was like the Lord said, you have no idea what's ahead of you. Not yet. Just relax. And uh, you don't know how long you're going to live. You just might live to be old. And you have to prepare these these younger people. No, they're not going to like it. They're not going to accept the lessons when when I was a kid, Daddy said do something. You just did it because Daddy said it. Thanks. You know, uh, your uncle said, hey, go get that out the car or carry this for me or do this. You just did it because they were older than you. Now everybody has to know why or they have to like what you tell them to do. Back then, you, did, you didn't have – they didn't care whether you liked it or not. If you didn't like it. They gave you a reason to go hurry up and do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gonna like you ain't gonna like what's gonna happen a lot worse. That's right. So, you know, you owe it to your children. You owe it to not so much society. You owe it to God to do right, to try your best to do right, to be better. To not be the bottom. Now, you can come from the bottom because you can always go up, but you don't have to stay on the bottom. You owe it to God to try your best to be the best that you can. And what do you have to lose? If you're on the bottom already, you can't get any lower. Yeah. You, you don't have anything to lose, but... One thing I've learned is that you can be amazed at what you have to gain. Mm. I never never expected to live to see my son this old. 40 years old? I wasn't 40 years old when I had him. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. Look yeah. look at look at what God has done for me since I've been 20. And then I was how old when I had my heart attack? Was I I was 20. So I was 40. Was I 40? 
Yeah, like 42, 43. Mm-hmm. So since then, my children are grown. I have grandchildren. My grandchildren are grown. I never dreamed that I would have. That's right. You're a great-grandfather yeah. at this point. Okay. I never dreamed to have one grandchild because uh, Buka was, was a baby then. Yeah. And Every I'm, 20 years, there's been a new version of you. Yeah. Well, and 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 I'm thinking, well, I just got my grandson. Now I have to die. Well, that's a sad story. But I never dreamed to see that little boy grow up. And all the the blessings. And and a lot of times I sit and I and I say, God, this is too much. You 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 can't do this to me. You, you're being too good to me. I don't, I don't deserve all this. I, I can't, I can't stay on this road. And he says, "Keep going. You ain't seen nothing yet. Hmm. All in his timing for you. In, in his, yeah, full circle, man. That's amazing. It, it, it just amazed me from thinking my life was over when my mother died." And now I'm a great grandfather. I'm on my second marriage. I live with the, uh, uh, I fulfilled my wedding vows. Uh, Till death do you part. Um, I remembered all the things that we promised. Uh, What we went through, what I went through with her. And her being afraid that I was going to leave her. I said, no, I'm, I'm not going to leave you. I'm, I, I can't. I can't. Would you leave me? And she <laughs> she looked at me like, mm. <laughs> I said, well, I'm, I'm not leaving you. You, you. you stuck with me. And being mad at the doctors that she wasn't getting better. And they had to. Just sit me down and tell me that this is it. She is as well as she is. That's as well as she's going to get. And you, all you can do is make her comfortable. And I just that took me a while to 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 digest. You know, it's it's crazy that you say that, Mister Johnson, because you know my my mother passed. Uh, about nine years ago. And I remember the phone call that my father made. You know, my dad had a way of like kind of painting you into a corner mm-hmm. with, with the questions that he asked and the demands that he made. And I was, you know, grown man living on my own. And I remember he called me on a Friday and he was like, I need you to come over to the house today. Mm-hmm. And normally, you know, I can, it can wait till tomorrow, but he just really reiterated, I need you to come by Today. Today. As soon as you get done working, I mm-hmm. need you to come by to the house. And I didn't question it. I came by, saw my mother, and I could see, you know, he didn't just flat out tell me, but I knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And as a child, they always delivered serious news to us in a specific room of the house. Yeah. And while he didn't say it, I saw the foreshadowing. I was like, why are we talking in here Mm -hmm. as opposed to where the TV is or the kitchen. And he didn't just flat out and say it, but when my mother passed, 
you know, I had a chance to because I helped my dad through the arrangements and just taking care of some of her business. Mm -hmm. And I remember he told me, he said that Friday, the doctor called me while I was at work. And he said, I haven't called your wife, but I called you. He was like, you need to start making her affairs. He said, she's not going to make it through the week. Mm. And, you know, he didn't tell us at the time because I'm sure he was just still processing it. And him and my mother are dealing with their emotions or their journey with it. But it was, you know, like the same thing. Like, and, and true to his word, if I saw her on that Friday, she had passed that Monday. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't, she didn't, she barely made it through the weekend. And it was, you know, I saw that love and his dedication to her, you know, through it all, mm-hmm. you know, and I was dealing with my own health things, some personal things I was dealing with that, even up until my mother's passing, I, I told her something in confidence. It really a secret that she kept from my father up in almost until her last days for me. Wow. And, she, you know, when she and this this might be off base for me, but I've watched my mother pass. I watched my grandfather pass. Mm-hmm. I watched my uncle and my grandmother pass and all of them. They all when I think about all of these different conversations I had with them in their last days, they all gave me a timeline. When my grandmother passed in Jersey, she told my mother to come down there for 30 days. On the 30th day, she passed. I talked to my uncle before he passed. He he told me, I thought he was just talking crazy. He said, the chariots are coming for me next week, son. I just wanted to call and tell you I loved you. Mm -hmm. A week later, he was gone. Same thing with my mother. When she knew I felt like when she knew, she started putting little nuggets out there for us to let us know that she was leaving and and just to prepare us. And like the secret that she was holding on to onto for me, she let my father know at like the last minute. And when I wasn't expecting to see them, mm-hmm. they were there. And I looked at my dad. I was like, what are you doing here? He's like, your mama told me. And he was there at the hospital with me. And and like they all set set those last things in motion to kind of prepare me for what was happening in the end. And, you know, to prepare their partners for a life without them. And even though my dad knew he never he never wavered, he never showed us that fear that she was that she was going to be leaving us. And he and he loved her up until the end. Yeah. And oh. it's, it's you know, that's when I hear you talk about making that decision at such a young age and staying mm-hmm. firm in that commitment, you know, that's, that's the type of love I hope that I can live long enough to find myself one day. Cause that's, you know, that's, that's, that's powerful right there, man. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Now you say you're going back to church. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the Lord. Be specific in what you ask him, but ask him for another mate. You know, when there was three years in between the time that uh, my wife, first wife passed and I got married again, the last two years, I went over and over with the Lord. Lord, I I, I can't. I'm a I'm a marriage kind of person. Right. 
I can't live by myself. I've, I've lived with someone too long. We were talking about Cass. I had, I can't remember how many girl girlfriends I had. Right, right. So I asked the Lord then, I said, I can't choose. I can't trust my judgment. I said, mm-hmm. Lord, give me the best wife and the best mother. And it turned out to be my first wife. When I asked him, I said, you chose the first wife for me. I said, you have to choose the second one because I'm I'm hurt. I'm I'm off balance. I can't trust my own judgment. Right. So Lord, you have to bring me somebody. Uh I know what I don't want. Okay. But you know what I need. And I trust your judgment because you gave me the first one, and, and, and it lasted. Uh, Man, longer than you thought you was going to live. Yeah. 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 Well, 40 years. Right? 40 years. I've known her 42 years. And uh, in all that time, you can count on one hand the time we've been apart. The only time that we didn't say goodnight to each other was when she was off on a business trip or went on a, a women's retreat or something like that. But we never been apart on in all that time. And what you have to do is give yourself totally to God. My life, my thoughts, my judgments, my likes, my don't dislikes, I put it all in your hand. Lord, I I, I want to be married again. I want a real marriage like you intended it to be when you created man. Absolutely. So if you want to, it can happen. You know, beyond just that, you gave some solid sage advice about some things. I should I should probably petition the Lord about a couple other things that I need some clarity on. So I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a take that fatherly advice because I know it's coming from a, a genuine place. I appreciate it. Man, I appreciate it. There's a lot of bars he left us with, man. <laughs> man, I just want to say, man, I, I tell people on this pod, man, that like you probably like the the greatest man I, that I've known. And if I can be <laughs> like half of, of everything that you've done, like I, I, I'll be OK, you know, um, for from everything that I've seen from um, the way that you and mom were um, just knowing things I know about you is like, um like I, I just got like a really good example and I figured like, yo, this is the, um, we wanted to get you in here and like, this is the best time that I can think of to celebrate on my 40th, uh, my 40th birthday. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And then like, you know, when mom took ill and I would come over there and, you know, and chill with her. Um, and then we'll just sit there and talk. Like we never had like a we well we never had a bad relationship, mm-hmm. but like I feel like we got closer, you know, during that time frame, and we'll sit there on online talk about whether it's the Bible, whether it's conspiracies, whether it's guns, yeah. YouTube, whatever, and like man, we just sit here kicking it, you know what I'm saying for hours. Like, am I friends with my father? 
<laughs> you know, and, and, and that's that's funny that you mentioned that because, like, I look at my son now who's 19. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I'm not a disciplinarian for him at, at this point in his life. I'm more mm-hmm. – I look at it, I'm more of an advisor. He come to me with stuff. I give him my opinion, get what I think you should do. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of figure it out yourself. But, like, he just turned 19 last week. And we had the opportunity, you know, I just took him out. We had has some dinner, just me and him. And I and I realized, like, that I raised a, a younger, better version of me. And it's not, you know, I not that we're we're peers by 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 any stretch of the imagination, but I looked at him, I looked at this young man across the table, said, Yeah, this is my son, but like mm-hmm. this is a this is just we we two men sharing a meal and and talking about life like he's he's starting to eclipse that you know he doesn't need me for a bunch of stuff because he's learning right. how to how to navigate life for his own but we can have you know where in high school he wouldn't dare tell me about the young ladies he liked or who he was dating but now at 19 you know he's looking for me to you know give him some advice and some insight so that it's just the circle of life. That relationship yeah. just starts to change. You know, Mr. Johnson, I know I can just tell you sincerely, man, it's been a pleasure having you here and just listening to you talk and, you know, even, you know, giving us fatherly advice and just, you know, listening to your insight on things. I'm remiss that we couldn't do do this with both of our fathers, but it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in here and just, just, just hear you. You got to, you know, I hope this is not the last time we have you in here. Mm-hmm. But man, I, I I loved it. I enjoyed it. I, I so much appreciate you for coming through tonight. Well, I want to thank both of you. Um, this is truly um, a big event in my life. Um, my son has turned forty. Yeah, That's and wild. Uh, I is wild. Yeah, and and Cause I feel like a kid still. <laughs> no, you you, you you grown. You grown, but you. <laughs> Like I legit do not feel like I'm 40 years old. You won't. You know, so <laughs> you I, won't. I don't. I don't feel like I'm 40. But then I look at my life. Like, look, man, I, I got. I got responsibilities. <laughs> I, I, I got pictures. more kids than my parents had. I found a yeah. picture of your 30th birthday. Really? At Spring Hill. Oh yeah. You had a birthday party at church. At church. <laughs> by the yeah. Way. And I. I feel like man. My dad at 30 look older than I do at 40. Because, <laughs> like, when you're a kid, your parents just look old all the time. Mm-hmm. Then I look at oh, back you think, and so, you think they're old. Yeah, you, you look old. at picture like, I thought my dad was bald all the time. He got a, he got an afro in this picture. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, in yeah. my brain, like, you've been. But, but for kids, like, they have this inflated opinion of age because, like, my daughter at. Literally, my daughter asked me probably about a year ago what it was like being a slave. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, baby, first of all, your mama's older than me, (laughs) so you should ask her. Secondly, I'm not old enough. No, I'm I'm not that old. She saw my license, and it said like the 80s. In her mind, 18, I said, no, baby. I I was free. I was born free. (laughs) But if you want to know, ask your mama. It's wild when people were born in the 2000s, when you tell them 19-something, it's like a, yeah. a whole nother century. Look, whole man, century. I, I remember I got carded, and a young lady handed me back my, my, my ID as fast as I gave it to her. I'm like, you didn't look at it. She's like, oh, I saw the 19 on there. I knew you were old enough. Mm. <sighs> I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah but I wasn't it, born in the 2000s. I guess, I guess I'm a relic. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, 
We got a music pick this yeah, week. Yeah, man, I sent you my music pick for the week. Uh, I changed it up because I was listening to it on the way here. Yeah. Dave Hill just dropped a project called Untitled. Ariva Durchi is the name of the song. And you know you know, we rocking with Dave Hill and Triple Seven, so that's going to be my music pick of the week. I love the music that they dropping. All right, let's check it out. Is you serious? Uh, I'm connected everywhere. Hit me if you need some Cyrus. All long sleeves and six seated suburbs. She ain't trying to fuck right now in the Riva Dirty. Invisible winking pictures. I need to see it in person. Let my niggas hit all the strippers. I need the nurses. Foreign fitted scrubs and that ass still sitting perfect. Right foot step. I had to teach her to hustle. Cause really I'm too much of a boss to be hitting workers. Look, pop a red accessory. Shit to mix with the lifestyle. I'm plugged out west. I can sit you next with the brow guy. You've been waiting on that opening for three months. Long paper, don't forget your references and research. Eating good, that's because I'm grinding till my teeth hurt. If it ain't about some paper, then go put it on the t-shirt. Yeah, man, we got to get Dave back in here, man. Yeah, man, I love Dave. We got to get Dave back in here. And I love that sample, man. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, whose man's is this this week? I do. So, Dad, man, we got to, mm-hmm. uh, you may not even be familiar with the term, but I'll break the term down. Like, if somebody comes to church right somebody mm-hmm. come to your church and he going there and he wilding out and somebody be like hey yo man whose man is this like who's <laughs> responsible for this guy right <laughs> and that's where it kind of came from and um and every week i i, I see something that makes somebody want to ask like yo whose man is this <laughs> and um this week i got a, i got a whose man is this and it's it's, it's quite upsetting no, what was the role play? Yeah, role yeah play. what was the role? This feels like it's going to be so wrong. It's so wrong. I'm going to tell you right now. I've oh never talked about this. Uh-oh. Ah, oh, shit. Dun, dun, dun. I like to be like a runaway slave. Okay, no. Man, oh, oh, shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> I like to play like a runaway slave. Okay. I like to play like a, diso- a disobedient slave with a white woman. So tell me, like, what you say. Yes, Mesa. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've, I've, it's just two. It's, it's it's two of them. Like it's like me getting whooped, right? You get whooped. It's like it's like I play like you whipping. But most of them don't want to. All right, all right, all right. Listen, listen, Mano. Like like, first and foremost, whose man's is this? <laughs> who, who? Didn't you say? Didn't you say you didn't like like forty year old tough guy rap? I remember like, you saying. If, if I'm forty, you forty five at least forty five. Like I, what I thought is, I heard forty eight. <laughs> Look, he did. I did. I swear to God, y'all didn't hear, but I heard it. I heard it too. Like, what is what? First off, lip service needs to be canceled. Okay, you know how they be like, yo, black men in podcasts gotta separate. Yo, nothing comes good from Angelie's podcast because lip service is 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 horrible. It's three women. They get you little get you little tips in, and they start yeah. talking to you crazy. But Mano, you want to do what? Mm-mm. You, you don't got enough hit. You, you don't, you don't have a. You have not released a hit record that's big enough for you Hi to hater? say you want to be that one big enough. Whooped and play runaway slave with a white woman. Do you think Mano could do a concert by himself? Mano, no. hour and a half, <laughs> thirty minutes, no. Fit, between mixtape joints, features, name a song. High hater. Name another song. I hated a remix. <laughs> <laughs> he got High Hater, which is in, in, ostensibly, it's, like, it's not a good song. But there's 
a song he got with Rakim that I that I enjoy. Uh, other than that, it's over. Stop it. Him and Jim Jones got that group album Stop coming it. out. The Lobby Boys. That's what they call themselves? Yeah, they got a single on Apple Music. First off, y'all almost 50. Y'all not boys. <laughs> y'all not boys. That's like, why they was working out together, because they was working on a project. Man, I hate Mm-mm. to see. Like, I don't, I don't like to see. I hope I never be this version of my. I don't want to be the version of, like, oh, you still trying to be cool and hang out and wear the clothes that the 20-year-olds wear. Fam, you, you got 30 years on these some of these people, man. Mm-mm. You talking about you want to let a white woman fit, whip you? You know what? He said something there about her calling the N word too. Did I couldn't watch that whole clip, man? Um, you know what I'm looking for though. Whose man's is this? No, no, not your boy. I know it's who you're looking for. You just had to punch him in. <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy! Another coon, <laughs> Doctor Omar. It only takes a little bit of white brainwash to activate the cool chip in the average Negro. <laughs> Dad, you have no idea. This is who Umar is named after, by the way. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's a, it's a funny. You had to be there. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll yeah, take your who, word who, for who it. This? Mano, get a, don't ever come back. Never touch a microphone again to now, rap or speak. Now, before you throw on the Benny music, I got a little bit of a surprise for you. All right. Is that a few of the homies, we came together and sent you some birthday shout outs. You got, oh, shit. You got some voice notes from Verge, uh, from Cheyenne. June sent one in. Hadira and Rob Silva. I have all of them. Uh, Rob sent it to the Shop oh, Talk email yeah, address. Yeah, yeah. But Judy, go. I mean, not Judy, but Cheyenne. Hadira, Verge, and June. I have their info, so I'll shoot it to you and let's plug it in at the end of the episode. But everybody wanted go, to Rob. extend a happy birthday to you. What's up, fellas? I want to wish a special 40th birthday to the great brother, Jason Johnson. <laughs> Jay, you've entertained me and your listeners for the last, I don't know how many years, I guess six years for Shop Talk and four years for uh, This Week in Culture. It's been four? It's been four years for me because I discovered both your shows in the summer of 2018. I mean, you are a great brother. I'm, I'm proud to call you a friend. And I want a special shout out to your pops, Mr. Johnson. If Mr. Johnson is listening, Mr. Johnson, you did an incredible job raising your son. And your son, just like my brother Dame, his, his broadcast partner, have described many a times... Great memories of them with their fathers. Jason with you, Mr. Johnson, and Dane with his beloved father. My father passed away 22 years ago, and I cherish those memories. And whenever I hear the brothers talk about the uh, memories of them with their fathers growing up or as men, it takes me back to the times I shared with my father. Um, I love all you brothers, Mr. Johnson. Hell of a job. Now, I heard you you struggled, but you made it through and you developed, raised along with your beloved wife, a great man. I can't say great young man anymore in Jason Johnson. <laughs> now, he's a great old man. Uh, Jay, welcome to the Over 40 Club. Um, I'll be 54 in three weeks. Appreciate you, brothers. 
Peace and blessings. Wow, man. Amen. That's, Amen. That's, that's crazy. Thank you. I'll send you the other one so you can plug them in at the end of the episode and, uh, you know, hear your birthday shout outs. And you know what I was thinking about, man? You had a birthday party a couple years ago. And remember how out of hand it was come the end of the night. Like, I was I ran into the young lady that I was she was my girlfriend at the time at your party that that drove that followed me home up eight mile because we were we were in a terrible place with liquor at that that evening. Yo, Facebook reminded me of that because we was promo promoing it was tonight. Yeah, it was in 20- that's what made that's what made me think about it. April fifteenth, twenty sixteen. Uh, we that's thirty five. Yeah, so that was five years ago. Uh, that was really like my first birthday party. Cause I don't think I've ever had a birthday party like outside of like my family, like cousins. We packed the bar out that night, um, and we did a live podcast. Um, I didn't know what to expect. Shout out my cousin Garrett came in town. I didn't know he was in the state. He came. Netta, uh, Lauren, like everybody came out. Everybody that we knew really came out and packed the bar that day. I was surprised. Like I, 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 I was, I was, I had a lot of dope beverages that night, and um, you had a. You had a situation going on that night. I won't talk about it on the mic, but you had a lot of people there to see you. I still got to say (laughs) You had a lot of people in the building that evening to see you. Well, you know, I live life on edge. It was a a good night. Um, But listen, man, thank you, Rob, man. I'm uh, going to tag. Which one is it you just sent me? I sent you Hadira. All right, let's see. Hey, fellas. Um, Just wanted to leave a quick voice note to say happy birthday to the pod god. One half of the culture, Jason Johnson, 313. Welcome to the 40 and Up Club. It's only up from here. On your case, you hope is up from here. <laughs> so uh, enjoy your 40 trips around the sun. Um, hope you have a wonderful birthday weekend. And really quickly, because I drop the ball on this. Every year I send a text to Dame and I say, hey, give my daughter a shout out because her birthday is April 13th. You know, y'all, y'all Aries or whatever. And I forgot to do that. So if you would allow me to, happy birthday, Red, 18 years old. You've made me so proud. Currently with a 3.7 freshman, working, scholarship, just all the good things a mother could ask for. Um, and again, to you, dang, I got cut off, <laughs> but again, to you, Jason, um, have a blessed and a uh, happy birthday. I hope you get everything that your heart desires. You're a cool dude. Um, it's, you know, it's a pleasure knowing you. I, I appreciate the love and respect that you've shown me throughout the years. So, um, wishing nothing but amazing things, uh, for you. Um, yeah, uh, have a good time on your birthday and, uh, Hope to uh, listen to some good pods. All right now, I'm gonna drop them all in. Um, man, y'all, y'all know my, y'all know how I make a thug cry. Single tear drops. Uh, man, let me turn on the music. Actually, yeah, but a lot of people uh, tuned in just to to show you their love and appreciation, man. Especially for the forty ball. It's a big birthday, man. That, that, when that, do you leave? You leave in the morning. Yep. Hey man, have a safe you flight. Mean, yeah. So yeah, tomorrow. Uh, uh, on my actual birthday. Check the shop talk email. It should yeah. be one there from her. I'm a, um I'm going to Dallas. Uh, well, first this. Listen. So I started a new job at the end of February. Uh, I wanted to go to New Orleans this weekend. I was gonna be like celebrating my 40th in New Orleans, and I never been there. I was gonna throw a parade in my honor uh, <laughs> in uh, in New Orleans. But when I started the gig, I don't get no time and no benefit time or nothing like that for 90 days. So I'm like. 
I might end up having to work on my birthday. But that didn't happen. And just how it just things put together, I ended up being off Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. So I get like a, a like a, a free vacation. So last minute, I'm like, listen, this Earl Spence versus Ugas fight is going down at AT&T Stadium, a.k.a. Cowboy Stadium. And I want to go, you know, and uh, I'm going. Uh, one of my homeboys in Dallas, he's, uh, his birthday is today. Um, another homeboy um, I, I reached out to, he ended up buying a ticket, sitting four seats away from me. And then I hollered down earlier this week. He like, I'm going to be in Dallas that same time. Like, I'm like, oh, we, it's You better have lit. a good time, man. So I'm going to go down there, have a good time. And um, eat some good food, smoke a good cigar, enjoy the fight. Absolutely, man. So enjoy AT and T Stadium. You have never seen anything like this thing. This is 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 the craziest sports arena I've ever been into in my life, man. Um, so this is the point where we would usually, with our guests, we'll let them shout out their social medias and everything like that. I don't, like, know, if, I don't no, know if you're on Instagram. Dad, dude, he don't got <laughs> social media. No, I don't have none of that. So, uh, Dame, oh, Mike then came out. Some, but, somebody else do that. <laughs> and, All right, I'm back. I'm back. Hey, it's your man, Dame, three underscores, three one three. You can add me on Twitter or IG. Uh, Again, happy birthday to my brother, my partner, man. I love you. Have safe travels. Get back safe. Uh, and when you see the blue and the black, you know where you at. It's Shop Talk Podcast. Oh, uh, man. Thank you, man, for the birthday wishes, man. Everybody who didn't show some love. Some people, I didn't got a candle yesterday. Uh, somebody didn't threw some cash at my way. Uh, all the well wishes on Twitter and all whole nine yards, man. It really do mean something when people take time out that day to, you know what I'm saying, think about you, congratulate you, the whole nine yards. Uh, Tomorrow morning, gotta go take Umar to the his suite. Uh, he going to pet suite to nobody because I don't want I don't want people to watch my dog, man. Because like that's too much responsibility. And it's like a child. You, yeah. you can't leave him with everybody. And that, you know he got different routines and stuff. And if something happened, I'd rather be mad at like at a company <laughs> than yeah, like a, a loved one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I drop him off in the morning. Then I'm going down to. Um, Taking one bag, a carry-on. You feel me? Can't go on light. Whatever I need, I'll get when I get there. Gotcha. Uh, cracking some new... On my birthday, I cracked a pair of new shoes. I'm probably wearing the Travis Scott's down there. You feel me? It's a special occasion. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know you got them. Come on, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That was a, the, the best find I could possibly get. I okay. want a pair of Travis Scott. Cactus Jacks. You know what I'm saying? Nice. So those coming out. Got some dunks coming on. Um, I did go to the Wealthy store. I'm aware. Hey. I'm going to wearing wealthy down there. Um, I'm wearing some uprising uh, gear up there. Everything I'm wearing is going to be from Detroit or from someone. We got to find somebody that does some Detroit denim. Um, genius denim. Oh yeah, Marv. I yeah. forgot all about that. Um, so everything I'm wearing is going to be here. I'm not. It, it is what it is. Oh yeah, I and shout out to wait. Nelson. Uh, I know he got a new store about to come in in, in Corktown. So <laughs> we're gonna have to. Maybe record from the dandy store one day soon. For sure. And I just can't wait to get to this fight. I'm a giant fight fan. Ever since Sugar Ray Leonard and Marvelous Marvin Hagler, the super fight that I still got on VHS to this day. I used to watch in the basement. I've watched that fight so many times, man. That's the one that turned me on to uh to, to boxing. You know what I'm saying? I hope Earl Spence takes care of business tomorrow so we can have the next super fight in a couple months. 100%. It's going to happen. And people who've been crying for that fight to happen before then are y'all stupid. Because you fight the two best fighters for all the marbles. You don't fight and then 
one of y'all gotta go get two more belts. That's that it don't make sense. Yeah. So in any event, when you see the book, Dad, I appreciate you for, for coming through on the pod, man. It means um, a lot to me to have you here. It's history. Be on the, it's gonna be on the internet. You can watch yourself on the on, on the YouTubes and all that <laughs> other stuff too, man. Um, I love you. Uh, you're a great example, and I, I strive to be more like you every day. And I also be like, dang, I'm turning into my dad. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Harassing people at the the waiter, at the, the waitresses at the like. I'm like, man, I'm really turning into my dad. And I got a whole bunch of dad jokes that I, I let off all the time. You feel me? You got to bring the dad jokes back for your birthday. Yeah. And y'all didn't even see him get crazy because he's like, he's going to a whole nother yard. It is what it is. When you see the blue and the black, you know where you at. Shop Talk Podcast Studio. Book some time. Yeah. I'm not saying we the Rockefeller Podcast, but we are Jane Dane. Hell yeah. Jeez. Happy birthday, homie. Happy birthday, homeboy. <laughs> Happy motherfucking birthday, Jay Johnson. It's your fucking 40 ball. J40. That's your new name. J40. Like, I hope your day is sprinkled <laughs> with all of the best because you deserve the best. Such a solid stand-up guy. Like, I love you. I appreciate you. I hope today, the next day, every day thereafter is just absolutely wonderful and amazing to for you, man. Like, live it up. Ball out. Go crazy. Pop some bottles. Do whatever you need to, man. You fucking deserve it. Like, I truly, truly, truly appreciate the fact that I'm able to call you my friend. I'm honored. Such a great person. Such good company always. Um, But again, happy fucking birthday, Jay Johnson from Cheyenne Lene, a.k.a. Motor City Oakland. What's up, fellas? It's June in all caps, so you know it's all facts. I just want to wish my boy Jay Johnson a happy birthday, my Aries brother, Steve Jobs, Jr. I wish you many fucking more. We need you around. We need this content, man. You the pie father, man. We need we need you around. You can't go nowhere. Shout out to y'all. Shout out to the pod guy. Shout out to Shop Talk Studios, Shop Talk Podcast Studios. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, man, keep it coming. And we need Dame around too. The Honorable Judge Dame, your grace. We need both of you. What up, Jay? Just want to wish you a happy birthday, my brother. Hope you have another blessed and prosperous year, man. Peace.